Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Sure yes. do. Yeah, sure do. And uh, my name's Kenyon. Don't you forget it. Oh. oh, that's your name. Don't wear it out. Yeah. Uh, my name's Lucy. And my name's Amanda. Don't take any wooden nickels. <laughs> <laughs> An old Midwestern <laughs> proverb. Speaking of scams. <laughs> in a long time. Right? Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Some of these folks earned way too many wooden nickels. And oh, we they will were get too to tempting it. for some of them. Mm. But first, uh, I see, Amanda, that you have a quick butt plug. Indeed, I do. So uh, this information was actually sent by a member of the Wine Coven. And uh, you may have pieced together over the last two plus years of us doing this show that we lost a close friend of ours from high school to her battle with leukemia. And she was very lucky uh, as a white woman and also a white woman whose brother was a basically 100% match. He was like 99 or 100% mm-hmm. for a bone marrow transplant. But a lot of folks do not get that lucky. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where gift of life comes in. Gift of life serves underrepresented communities and has made its mission to ensure every patient in need of a transplant has access to a donor. Mm-hmm. So pr- prior to the gift of life registry, Ashkenazi Jews had an 8% chance of finding a match. And now they have an over 80% chance Dang, of finding a match. Wild. Yep, just because of Gift of Life. It's incredible. And this is an exceptional improvement, but they are still working to improve for populations who do not have access to their life-saving matches. So African-Americans and mixed-racial folks only have about a 25% chance of finding a match. Asian-Americans and Pacific Islanders have about a 40% chance. And Hispanic Latino-Americans have about a 45% chance of finding a match. So joining the registry is super simple and so helpful. It consists of of a quick and completely painless cheap cheek swab and a mm-hmm. short confidential online form. You know, we love a good quiz. So we just <laughs> highly encourage everyone who's listening to consider if you are able joining the gift of life registry and you can do so at www.giftoflife.org. And that's my so plug. important. And like yeah. Amanda said, that cheek swab it's totally painless, easy, quick. It's over. It's almost too easy. Like uh, when I had it done, I was like, oh, I want, I wanted to do more. It's, it's, all, it's like brushing easy. your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and also, yeah. you know, organizations like this, they're doing so much good. And a lot of folks aren't aware of them or aren't really don't feel uh, inspired to to join mm-hmm. these registries until somebody they know and love is right. sick. And so... There, mm-hmm. those those people exist every day. So yeah, the owner of a restaurant that I used to work at is Brazilian, and he on a whim joined Be the Match because they did like a walk around one of the lakes and they had a booth, mm-hmm. and he was called up within like six months because they were so desperate, and he was like a ninety eight percent match for like a six year old girl whose life he saved 
by donating oh. bone marrow at down at the uh, Mayo Clinic. And his his bone marrow was like in such high demand that he was matched almost immediately because he's not white. Right. And he saved so, someone's life. He saved a little, a little girl's girl. Life. Yeah. Uh, so that could be okay. you. That could Do be it. you. Um, all right. Well, uh, moving on to other do-gooders. Um, oh, are we? <laughs> our fan picker. Just our fan oh, picker. Oh, not okay. The I was like, the topic is not <laughs> accurate. <laughs> no. Um, our fan picker, Amanda Kelly, has Name selected... Twin. <laughs> a very uh, juicy topic for us this week. It is startup scandals. Mm, vroom, vroom. I get to go on a rage fueled tirade about my startup. Yeah, same. T minus an hour. Yeah, get ready. Your startup yeah. called Wine and Crime Podcast. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so yeah, this is the behind the scenes. You're gonna learn all of our deep dark secrets. All There's of our no scams. way we're a startup. <laughs> oh, we'll get to it. Oh, God. We send people trash for their money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. An expanding online business. We're transparent so sending people about trash. it. We, we are. are. We are. All right. First, let's lube up. So, yes, uh, Amanda, <laughs> what's our wine crime pairing for startup scandals? Mm, we are drinking Wink Wine Club's debts and lessons Riesling because hopefully these scandalous startups pay their debts and learn their lessons. Mm, good one. Yeah, nailed it. Very uh, on the nose, actually. It really is on the nose. And you know what else is on the nose? Wink motherfucking Wine Club. They are an amazing online wine club that literally delivers wine to your door. And we have a special little offer. If it's your first time using them, you can go to trywink.com forward slash gals for 20 bucks off your first box of wine. Again, mm -hmm. that's trywink, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com forward slash gals for 20 bucks off your first box. You can like become a subscriber, which I highly recommend, and they will curate picks for you each month, or you can just shop their inventory and fill your cart, and then they mm -hmm. send wine to you, and if you have four or more, many, many more wines in your cart, they take care of the shipping, which is amazing. But you can also now shop a la carte from their in inventory. So say like me, you have a wedding coming up this weekend, and you're like, oh crap, I forgot to get them a gift. Oh crap, what kind of like special, unique thing can I get? Oh geez, I'm part of Wink Wine Club. Oh gosh, I can send that to them. <laughs> oh yes. gosh. It also oh, makes gosh. an amazing oh, oh crap. It also makes an amazing wedding gift. Like if you're not interested in it for you, get a subscription mm -hmm. for someone who's just gotten married or someone who's like finally had that baby that's been sitting in there for nine friggin' months. Yeah, now they can finally drink. It's a great yeah, the gift subscriptions are awesome. Oh. I have given them for multiple holidays to friends and family and uh it's awesome. They're a hit. I've gifted a subscription to my husband, who conveniently mm -hmm. lives at the same address as me. <laughs> okay, startup scandals. Here we go. Uh, but as a subscriber, you can also like gift a box of wine, like two people along throughout your subscription. It's yeah. super cool. So I've done that for my mom and my sister and it's really fun. It's but we great. love it. So trywink.com forward slash gals, 20 bucks off your first box. So we have had debts and lessons Riesling before, but not this vintage. So this is fun. This is the 2018 debts and lessons Riesling, which mm. hails from Monterey, California. And this is a very, very light wine with a very low ABV at only 10.5%. So tip them back. 
<laughs> Perfect. Drink morning. <laughs> yeah, you need like four <laughs> bottles of this to get through one bottle, you know? So just fill your cart, get 20 bucks off. Um, it has tasting notes of green apple, honeysuckle, and lemon rind. It's balanced by a nice, smooth minerality and like that dry finish. It's made with grapes grown in a coastal breeze influenced single vineyard that are picked early to protect their natural acidity. And this wine strikes a harmonious balance between brightness and sweetness. Coastal Coastal breeze influence. I know. I know. <laughs> That's like an Airbnb like, description. Oh, exactly. yeah. <laughs> it's like a real estate term for when you can't actually, you don't actually have ocean views. <laughs> right, but you're close enough to get like the low tide smell. Coastal breeze influence. <laughs> Coastal breeze influenced Omaha ranch home. <laughs> There's I love lots it. of starfish, lots of blue upholstery. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Driftwood frames. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. A wagon wheel coffee table. <laughs> you said you loved that coffee table. <laughs> no one. In a white weathered, like chic paint. I can't. Oh, yeah. So much fucking shiplap. I want to throw Maybe a up. tiny home. Mm-hmm. No. Although I did enter a contest to win a tiny home, and I'm supposed to know this week if I won. And yes, I did spend $50 to do it. Let's not talk about it. What? Well, the money goes to charity. Startup scandals. Startup scandals. It's a charitable donation that gets you an entrance into the raffle. So it's legit. (laughs) But still. My friend was going to a charity event that had a raffle at it. And I was supposed to go and I like had some cash to donate, whatever. It was for like her friend's hospital bills. And then at the last minute, I, a minute I couldn't go. So I just gave my friend the cash to take with. So she entered a raffle for me and I ended up winning like a $700 photography package. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my God. Tell, the photos that you're going to take of yeah, you and Corey and your cats. <laughs> you have uh, planned. Oh, it's, well, they're family photos. So my cats will be involved. <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, and we're pushing it back till the fall colors really pop. So, (laughs) oh, such a good plan. Ghost face is going to be taken. Oh, spooky little ghost. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, this is a cracker. So you technically don't need a nice pop wine key from Wine and Crime Podcast at BigCartel.com, but it's always good to have one in your arsenal. Mm -hmm. Shall Mm -hmm. we crack this baby open? Ready? Do it. All right, let's do it. All right. Oh, 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 coastal breeze influenced crack, influenced crack, <laughs> silicon crack. Oh my god! Chili con carne, coastal crack. <laughs> All right, ooh, that's refreshing. Yeah. All right, cheers, Lucy. ladies. Cheers. Mm. I literally um, just took a huge gulp and then spit a little bit when I was trying to say <laughs> cheers. Sexy. I'm so Sexy. desirable. <laughs> Don't you have a baby living at your house right now? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> She's outside. Is she supervised? Oh. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I put her out back. <laughs> She's, She's on her leash. <laughs> She's like six She's months old. <laughs> She's fine. She's on her leash. I put out a water bowl. (laughs) (laughs) She's one. She's got this. Oh, my God. All right. On that note, Lucy, what is our background and psych for startup scandals? All right. 
So let's start with the definition of a startup. And this definition sort of depends on who's defining it. So abstractly, quote, a startup is a company working to solve a problem where the solution is not obvious and success is not guaranteed, says Neil Blumenthal, co-founder and co-CEO of Warby Parker. Ever heard of it? Oh. Nice. I ordered some prescription glasses or prescription sunglasses yesterday. I can't wait. Yes, I need I to need new get ones. some night driving glasses. Right? <laughs> oh, I my can't Lord. drive at night. I'm 32. <laughs> yeah. And yet no, you, you really do can't. drive at night. Yeah. Please stop. You have to drive at night. <laughs> do you? I get don't. a lift. But like at night when it's raining and there's like construction around. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I, All just right. People blind. of Iowa and the surrounding suburbs stay <laughs> off the road after 5 p.m. Well, the good news, well, after daylight saving time. The good news is I rarely leave my house. Thank God. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is one definition. More douchily, some might describe <laughs> startups as a culture and mentality of innovation and positive change. Ick. Yeah. Adora Chung, co-founder and CEO of Homejoy, says, quote, startup is a state of mind. It's when people no. join your company and are still making the explicit decision to forego stability in exchange for the promise of tremendous growth and the excitement of making immediate impact. Yeah. Mm, so <laughs> wine and crime, not a startup. <laughs> I forced both of you into this bad boy, and you both were like, cute. Cute. <laughs> and there was yeah. no stability. Still isn't. Yeah. And no guarantee of success. No. But also no immediate positive impact, so. <laughs> <laughs> and no problem being solved. Right. <laughs> Creating the lack more of content problem every week. Okay. <laughs> Dictionaries are a little more cut and dry about it, defining a startup as, quote, the act or instance of setting in operation or motion. <laughs> Starting. Stop. Starting. Or, or a fledgling business or enterprise. So basically there something recently started, which does imply some shaky ground. So enter venture capitalists who pump money into startups. We could have been considered a startup, I guess, by that definition. We didn't have any VCs ourselves. No, but that doesn't we count. We definitely started on shaky ground. Oh yeah. <laughs> so venture capitalists, VCs, uh, give give startups money and which provides stability, which enables growth. And we will come back to venture capitalists. Also, I don't know if you guys are doing the same thing, but I am picturing all of these contexts within the world of the hit HBO show Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Also, the the way I learned the term venture capitalist was from <laughs> Wedding Crashers. <laughs> oh, for sure. Totally. <laughs> I was like, oh, interesting. Oh, I'm going to look that one up in the dictionary because I'm old. I oh, don't God. think I learned what like a startup was just in terms of like vocabulary until I went to San Francisco and every single Uber and Lyft driver was like, oh, I work for a startup. I right. work for a startup. You, you wouldn't have heard of it. I work for a startup. Mm -hmm. like, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. You have a podcast too? Great. 
No wonder you're driving for Lyft. <laughs> it's a podcast. It's like an on-demand radio show. Oh, God. It's like a radio program. If I had a dollar for every time mm-hmm. I had to explain to someone what a podcast is, I could be a venture capitalist. Absolutely. You could quit the podcast. <laughs> I literally could. I'd be I'd be already retired in Croatia by now. Mm-hmm. Right. I used to try to like say it, like really describe it. And now I'm just like, it's like a radio program. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I was I was at a one of Corey's family gatherings and he has like a great, great aunt who's super deaf, but she's so sweet and nice. So I, I love to talk to her, but like she can she can't hear. And so she was like, and what is it you do for a living? And I said, I have uh-huh. a podcast. What? Oh, God. A podcast. Oh, no. What? No. A podcast. <laughs> she still didn't hear me, and I was like, I'm a writer. <laughs> and she goes, oh, that's nice. Oh, my God. This is the best. You're just screaming podcast into the void is my new favorite thing. <laughs> Zach is applying for jobs now, and I told him to tell his prospective employers that I quote work in podcast advertising to like yeah. keep it vague. Uh, he has not listened so far and I am just destroying his career prospects. Nah, you're fine. Like oh, Lucy said, about? one of them's going to end up being a fan and then they're just going to hire him because of that. Uh-huh. That'd be awesome. Or they're all going to be sexist men and they'll take one look at our website and be like, mm, yeah, no, no. Not an education usually, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving on. According to a 2013 Forbes article titled, What is a Startup? <laughs> the, key, the key attribute. You can tell how my was Google that search what you went. Googled? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was the first hit. It was the 60s. Shocking. Page one. The key attribute to a startup is the ability to scale very quickly. So a startup might cease to be a startup once it reaches acquisition by a larger company, once it has more than one office, once uh, the revenues are greater than $20 million, once they have more than 80 employees or over five people on the board, and or the founders have personally sold shares. So basically, once a company becomes profitable, it's not a startup anymore. Got it. Mm. And the difference. Should we get a board? <laughs> <laughs> I have it's a just felt Lucy's letter cats board. Does and that count? Each of our dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have to consult the Callie, board. Callie, Josie, Ghostface, Ray, Ray and Albus. Albus. We have a board. Albus Look is at definitely that. the head of the board. <laughs> and we have more than five people on the board. All right. Right? right? No, we have exactly we are, five. Yeah, that's good. Scale tip. Yeah. They're also not people, but, you know, five living beings mm-hmm. who cannot communicate with each other and would probably freak out if they were all in the same room together. It's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm pumped. <laughs> so the difference between a startup and a small business is that a startup is unconstrained by geography. So, for example, a restaurant in one town is not a startup, and Lyft was never a small business. Okay. Makes sense? That makes a lot of sense, yeah. So, as you can kind of infer from that, access and use of the internet is pretty key to startups as well. And like we talked about, the ability to grow quickly is a defining feature, 
And that is exactly why most startups are tech startups. They're able Makes to sense. identify, access, and serve their markets regardless of time and space. Oh, Y'all, I think sweat. we're a startup. We might be a startup. Like, God damn it. What is time and space, though? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're, I feel like we've all consumed ayahuasca because our board is all of our pets. Yeah. Yep. We're questioning what time and space are. Oh Half my the time God. I'm eating Soylent Green. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's people. It's people. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I had sushi for lunch. It was so good. Speaking of I had that people. yesterday. I went to Sushi Train in Minneapolis, mm. and they literally just have sushi on a conveyor belt. You just grab yes. it and eat it. Mm-hmm. It's the, the best. best. Do you pay? Is it like a flat rate? Is it like an all-you-can-eat? Each, each, it is all-you-can-eat, but like, it's not a flat rate. Each plate is a different color, and each color coincides with a different price. And then your server clears your plates and keeps a tally Tallies of, up the plates. Yeah. Wow. It's really yeah. cool. Fucking genius. So funding for startups, which we kind of touched on, is also a unique feature of a startup. Small mm-hmm. businesses tend to rely on loans and grants from banks, which are very low risk. Um but startups rely heavily on angel investors and venture capitalists, VCs, mm-hmm. who understand the risks associated with investing and who are able to balance those risks with potential rewards. I'm still waiting for my eccentric billionaire that will fund my absolutely asinine and insane ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are you? Your wall Daddy of Warbucks. skulls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to, like, purchase a home so that you can paint your entire living room black so the skulls really just pop. You're absolutely correct, and this will be happening. I'll be your <laughs> angel investor. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so VCs also tend to take a little more control over their investments in the form of anything from giving advice to getting a seat on the board to becoming a cat and earning a seat on our board. Yes. <laughs> a cat with a wig. Yes. Duh. And a lot mm-hmm. of cash. Cash cat. <laughs> cash cat. A cash cow. <laughs> I'd let a cow on the board. Okay. <laughs> VCs also depend on a solid exit strategy before investing. So that is a plan for your revenue stream to pay back your investors, you being a, a startup starter. Right. Um, a plan to pay back your investors, a plan for, say, an IPO rather than relying on a buyout, just some sort of rational exit strategy in case shit doesn't work out. Totes. That you're not left with, like, crumbs. I know what IPO stands for, but I definitely don't understand the concept or, like, when or why it happens. I bl- Well, it stands for Initial Public Offering, and I mm-hmm. believe it's when a company goes Public, so public shares the public right, invest in it. They're just like inventing a valuation and then and then inventing a number of shares. Yeah, that's how I like the it. stock market works. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, I mean, so, again, we can't so understand. Me. You again, invent numbers. Capitalism and pyramid schemes it's make bonkers. an equal amount of sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I would argue that pyramid schemes make more sense. Thousand percent. At least I could follow that triangular shape. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can explain them. 
But I also think that capitalism sort of relies on people like us to not understand it in order to buy into it every waking moment of our lives. For sure. Yeah. It's literally psychological. I hate it. Yeah. I don't get it, and I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. I don't understand the question. I will not respond to it. And I won't respond to it. Okay. How much is a banana these days? Ten dollars. Ten (laughs) dollars. I fucking love Lucille Bluth. So now that we're super duper clear on what a startup is, (laughs) (laughs) let's get to the dark side of startups. So because startups by nature are innovative, forward thinking, often related to tech, it's quite easy to lie about what the product actually is, whether it works, or even if it even exists at all. Oh, we will get to it. <laughs> yes. It's nothing. It's it's nothing. It's, co- mm-hmm. you know, money is invested, contracts are signed, people leave stable, stable jobs to join this promising new venture, and these things often happen based on concepts and hypotheticals. It's so... Yeah. Oh, it makes me anxious just thinking about it. It's just yeah. very high risk. Super high risk. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that people with a shit ton of money, you know, who don't like, yes, they have a lot to lose because they have so much money, but it's like they have so much money that losing, you know, a million dollars is like nothing to them. Mm-hmm. And they stand to gain so much if the idea that they're funding for production actually does take off. It's like, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine playing with the big dogs like that. Well, no. In an episode of Silicon Valley that I watched in preparation for this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a tax write-off. One of the, exactly. One of the VC, oh my God, is it? I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is now, under Trump. Yeah, really. <laughs> Good point. Fucking um, Trump's investment tax plan. Ugh, speaking of HBO and Trump succession. Um, okay. So good. But there's a a scene when one of Pied Piper's VCs, can't remember his name, so bad with TV names, like has a bunch of Bitcoin on a on a on a thumb drive and he accidentally Fucking threw it away. Bitcoin. So he yeah. like hired a team of people to dig through this landfill to try to find the thumb drive. But he was saying, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I've invested in 32 um, cryptocurrency companies, and if only one of them becomes successful, then it, that it will pay off the rest of them. That's, like, Jesus. the crazy amount of money. You can just throw millions and millions of dollars at all these different companies, and as long as one of them pays off, they feel like right. they've profited. It's wild. It's great. It's so wild. I can't. Well, enjoy yep. hearing about that because we will never have that kind of money. <laughs> no. Oh we, my God. When we started this podcast, we each invested $150. And, and it, it was, was like that was really a lot. Hard. It was yeah. really, it's still a lot of money, but it was like, I did not know where that money was coming from. <laughs> Nope. I hope that my credit cards. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So speaking of paying money that you don't have, image is extremely important in startup land. And for our purposes, we're just going to go ahead and refer to startup land as Silicon Valley. Got it. Mm -hmm. Most startups rely on VC money. So the way that you present yourself 
uh, your resume, all of your associations, all those things play a huge role in finding funding for your company because you're literally just smooching with smooching with rich <laughs> with rich people at like, you know, networking right. events and hoping that one of them wants to give you money. Right. Hoping you can sell your innovation like mm-hmm. well enough to get them to invest fucking millions in your idea mm-hmm. that isn't even a fucking product yet. Yeah. Yeah. So you I got it. look lis- good. I listened to this podcast called um, How I Built This. Mm-hmm. I think with Guy Raz. I love and, Guy Raz. Um, it's so good. It's a really great, it's all, it's interviewing different like entrepreneurs. Um, and one of the guy who, st- who started Shopify yeah. is like this German guy. And he like, after his company was valued at like a hundred million dollars, he was still living in his like in-laws basement. Good for and him. And like riding like a used bicycle to like VC meetings. That's yeah. my favorite kind of rich person. Yeah. Except if I, mean, I were I his, hate it. If I were his you know in-laws, <laughs> I wouldn't I hate it. I am my favorite kind of rich person. <laughs> and I'm just waiting to become me. A broke rich yeah. person. As- yeah. Aspirational, that kind yes. of rich person. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, coastal breeze influenced rich person. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay, so it's also it's not uncommon for people to embellish like their resumes and their associations and whatever, like how competent mm-hmm. they are. And then on the flip side, investors can lie about how qualified they are or how much money they actually have to invest. So it's such a risk on both sides. Ri- then yeah. why does anyone do this? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just bartend. Yes, go with the sure thing that will never pay off in the long run. (laughs) It'll destroy your body. Okay, so clearly not all of these scams are motivated by money. Here's where we'll get into a little bit of the psych. Some people lie and cheat simply to validate their own self-worth. So like Mm -hmm. startup land can be like a minefield of sociopaths. (laughs) Just to not be unemployed on Tinder. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I also think that the kind the kind of visionary people who actually do propel successful startups and drive huge tech companies often have enormous egos. Mm-hmm. So it can be easy to mistake just blatant bullshit with that kind of grandiose genius mentality in certain contexts. Mhm. Absolutely. Like Steve Jobs. Got it. Yeah. So according to an entrepreneur article by startup advisor Hillel Fould. Hillel Cool J. <laughs> Hillel Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Some warning signs that you're partnering with one of these types of people can include, and this doesn't, this isn't just for startups. This is just like, like for dating, like for really meeting and associating with any person in general. It's all the same. Presenting yourself to the panelists on Shark Tank is the same as going on a first date. Ugh, pretty much. So, so it stressful. all applies. What's your bottom line? <laughs> <laughs> How much of you can I own? Exactly. I'll give you $20,000 for 51% of your dick. <laughs> Hey, that's a ridiculously good deal. I know. Um, Okay, so if they spend a lot of time and energy convincing you that they're awesome, red flag. Mm 
If they make enormous promises that sound too good to be true, because then mm-hmm. they probably are. If they are super salesperson-y, so, like, if they're really charismatic, persuasive, charming, if, like, everything that comes out of their mouth and the way that they say it and, like, body language and all that stuff just is too charming. If they have an answer to everything. Yeah, Mm. if they have an answer to everything. If they're constantly name-dropping. Uh, yeah. If you've never actually see any real cash being exchanged. Yeah. I mean, anyone can talk about being rich, obviously, this entire episode so far. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that they actually have any money. Mm -hmm. Um, If their excuses for a lack of employees, a late paycheck, or no actual product, etc. are, like, illogical, because... Companies, every company hits a stumbling block. If there's like a late paycheck, that can happen in the most legitimate of companies, especially when they're just starting. Yeah. But if these things happen consistently and this person's excuses for them just do not sound logical, then they're probably hugely full of shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like a lot of deflection, like, oh, don't worry about that, or I'm taking care of it, or blah, blah, blah. Yep. Like, those mm-hmm. are not good things to hear when you ask a very specific direct question with, like, especially if there's, like, a figure attached to that question. Mm-hmm. Oh, we will get, in my case, there is a- an epic answer to a yes or no question. Oh, thank yes. God. Yeah. <laughs> It's so good. It's like my favorite. Oh, my God. Okay. So last red flag. Uh, So uh, like IPOs, I don't fully understand this, but I did read about this in a couple different places. So I'm just throwing it out there. Be wary of offers for self-directed IRAs. Which is like Whatever a, retire- that a retirement is. account. They so Or screaming the word IRA <laughs> <laughs> at yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Into Ira, a mirror. what are you thinking? <laughs> Ira, a podcast is a radio show. <laughs> a free radio show. I wonder how many She's times. She's making a podcast. I wonder how many times Ira Glass has had to explain what a podcast is in his life. Oh, oh, <laughs> God bless. I love it. It's like, he did like the first podcast. It's Truly. So uh, okay, um, so self-directed IRAs can be used to cover up fishy activity with vague incentives like real estate deals, mortgages, partnerships, IPs, lower tax mm-hmm. rates, etc. Uh, again, this is a bunch of shit I'm not smart enough to understand, but like they can be used as sort of a smokescreen, as something to hide investments from the employees and therefore like the investors. So, so like I'm I'm picturing like we can't pay you that much, but we can give you this much in stock options and blah blah blah, which is fucking meaningless if the company doesn't actually have a viable product. Right, and I mm-hmm. think that's not uncommon that specific example that you just gave. But if it's specifically a self-directed IRA, which is one of their big selling points, then that mm-hmm. that's the shakiest example. Because a lot of people move jobs and, tra- and you know, tr- trade jobs because they might have less cash but more stock options. That's like a thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know anything. Correct. Yes. I don't know. I also don't know anything. I'm just sitting here thinking like, yeah, I'm following this. What's stuck? <laughs> don't email us. Never. <laughs> so if you think you might. I'm going to email us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you think you might be involved in a scam, a startup scam, you should be, you should confront the person, but you should not wait and see if things ever pan out. Because chances are, if they lied about some details, they've lied about most, if not all of the details. And in order to yeah. avoid this issue in the first place, just make sure to do your fucking research. Follow up with that list of references. Google everyone's names, like, extensively. Mm-hmm. Verify work histories, all that. And then when it comes to your own product, make sure that it is clearly defined and viable and that you have all the receipts to back it up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep mm-hmm. the receipts. Know your shit. Know your numbers. Act like mm-hmm. you're going on Shark Tank every day, but don't because that's really day. stressful. Because every day is a Shark Tank. I just said that so aggressively, I farted. <laughs> right I, at Tank. Oh, God, I just farted again. <laughs> I need to stop. Thank God I have my candle lit. Shark Tank. Cause box. <laughs> tank. <laughs> No fork oh tank. God. Okay, be careful. Um, <laughs> on that note, uh, should we hear a word from our sponsors who are viable startups? Probably <laughs> most of them. As far as we know. Life can be stressful, obviously. You don't say. <laughs> Between work, family, babysitting, podcasting. And everything in between, it's not always easy to find time for yourself. And that's why we love Talkspace. Yeah. Talkspace Online Therapy makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. You simply provide your preferences for therapy and Talkspace will match with one of 5,000 plus therapists the very same day. This is like... Uh, the, the fact that they can match you with a therapist the same day that can meet your specific needs because everybody has different needs like I needed someone to help with mild depression and generalized anxiety disorder but I know that I have friends who use it who need it for all kinds of different issues because we're all different we're mm-hmm. all unique beautiful butterflies mm-hmm. and to be able to get matched with a network that big the same day can honestly be life-saving which is something really amazing that I don't feel like we talk about enough when we talk about Talkspace. It's no. unbelievable. Talkspace is like the Amazon Prime of therapy. Yeah, but like ethical. So yeah. you can send your therapist <laughs> unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages from anywhere at any time. That's another thing I really love about it is that I don't have to wait until I'm in crisis to start opening up about what's going on in my life. And we don't want you to wait either. So Lucy, tell them how to get hooked up with Talkspace. I'd be happy to. Yes. Talkspace has more than 5,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face. So to match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use that code GALS to get $65 off your first month and to show your support for this show. Again, that is Talkspace.com and use that promo code GALS. Treat your brain. Treat it. What if you could use one program for all your health and, like, nutrition and, like, getting in shape needs? Mm. No more hunting for training apps or workouts. 
or calorie trackers, which are just the bane of my existence. (laughs) As a type 1 diabetic, I have to do enough counting every time I eat. I hate calorie trackers. I hate meal plans. I I don't want to do it. And plus, you can add a goal specialist and a community of members to keep you motivated and accountable. It's like a workout bestie all in one place. And yes, we're talking about Noom. Ugh. I love Noom. It really does consolidate the dozens of apps that I have on my phone for like various health tracking mechanisms. Mm. It's incredible. Noom Mm -hmm. is a habit changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. They teach you. They've got fun animations. It's a way to learn about your health and your body and different maybe methods and systems that will work for you specifically. There's no shame. Oh, yeah. There's no, you know, pressure, obligation. No food is good or bad or off limits. Noom teaches moderation and can be used in conjunction with many pre-existing popular diets if you want. Plus, you got a goal specialist. I chatted with my goal specialist once and was like, you know what? I'm just never hungry in the morning. Yeah, me too. Do I have too. to eat breakfast? Ugh. And she was like, no, you don't. Why don't you try intermittent fasting? That might be the thing for you, which is when you don't eat or when you only eat between like noon and 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. You don't feel bloated. You give your body time to digest. That worked for me. And I've lost like eight pounds. I love it. Not that that's the most important thing. I feel better. I have got more energy. I just I just feel better. That is so awesome. I love Noom. I'm obsessed. And you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. So sign up for your trial today at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com forward slash gals. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com forward slash gals to start your trial today. One more time. That's Noom.com forward slash gals. The last weight loss program you'll ever need. Mm. Googling this person would not have saved anyone in my case, unfortunately, because my case got, this founder got a ton of positive press and she was Mm. like a media darling before it all came crashing down. And if you're like me, you got her mixed up with Elizabeth Smart for several years. (laughs) Very different stories. It is amazing what she has overcome to start a $9 billion company. Hey, she's smart. True. No, okay, not Elizabeth Smart. Elizabeth Holmes was born on February 3rd, 1984 in Washington, D.C., But her family soon relocated, and she spent most of her childhood and teen years living in Houston, Texas, home of the drive-through margarita. Yes, (laughs) as we learned. Highlight of our tour last summer. That is a startup I can get behind. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Elizabeth's mother, Noelle, was a congressional committee staffer, and her father, Christian, was a vice president at. Enron. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. So you might say that fraud and startup scandals were a bit of a family tradition. Yeah. (laughs) We were like six when the Enron thing happened. Like, yeah. I don't even remember. It was on the front lines. I literally know you guys. I I think we were like eight. I'm not sure. But I had a folder of 
articles about Enron that I had printed out and was trying to like read and figure out like I was going to crack Enron. I mean, it had already been cracked. That was the problem. I can't deal with you. There was somebody named like Sri Singh Aluwalia. And I was like, this is this is the center. This is the eye of the storm. I think he's my neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was so bizarre. Okay, so yeah, you definitely had a photo of Alan Greenspan like above your bed growing up. Yep. Well, he's just so adorable. Yeah. You're okay, f- so according to <laughs> according to people who knew her growing up, Elizabeth was a quiet, intense child, much like me, uh, <laughs> who was pushed hard by her parents to succeed from a young age. Sounds about when right. She, <laughs> I wasn't quiet though. To your when credit, was, to your credit, you did not speak in a deep affectation that was just a misguided attempt at being taken seriously with tech industry men. Oh, mm. we'll get to the voice. Oh, good. Yeah. That's um, the only oh, thing oh, I really good. remember from the HBO. A lot of HBO this episode. The HBO She's the real Buffalo Jill. Yeah. She is. Oh, um, when she was seven, she, quote, invented a time machine and <laughs> filled an entire notebook with detailed drawings about how it would work. And it would work better than the invention that she would later become infamous for. But, like, who didn't <laughs> invent a time machine at seven? Yeah, oh, I yeah. called my fort a time machine. Mm-hmm. Yep. By the time she was in high school, this intensity uh, translated into a serious work ethic uh, in both academic and non-academic pursuits. So she was a really good student. She was a straight-A student. She started her own business selling something called C++ compilers to Chinese schools. I have no idea what that is. First rate. C plus I, <laughs> I did not look it up. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that is. C plus no compilers. Okay. In her free time, Elizabeth took Mandarin lessons and was accepted into a summer program at Stanford to study the language. That's not and, free time. That's just more school. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went to debate camp, so this is perfectly normal it. to and me. And French I camp, and like UN it. camp. Ick. I went to a lot of camps. <laughs> yeah. A lot of camps. Just of we're camps. barely scratching the surface. Okay. So according to a neighbor, her parents were determined that she attend Stanford for undergrad, and uh, they saw her getting into this summer program as like a sort of like backdoor or at least like a a boost into possibly getting accepted later. Um, And it did work. So she was, in fact, accepted to Stanford undergrad. And in 2001, she began her freshman year planning to major in chemical engineering. Okay. So she is smart. Yeah. But she's not Elizabeth smart. She is not Elizabeth Smart. I get it now, okay? 
I just want to make sure it's crystal clear for I you. made a mistake. <laughs> One tiny mistake. But she's not Elizabeth. <laughs> so critical. So judgmental. Okay. So this Elizabeth... Uh, excelled academically her first year at college, and she was named a President's Scholar, which was a prestigious award that came with a $3,000 grant towards a research project. That's because she did enough pull-ups at her third-grade presidential fitness examination. <laughs> exactly. It was the crunches. Yep. She fucking crushed the crunches. What if, what if the President's Scholar program was just like verbal in name only. And then you're like, you won the president's scholar. And then you got there and it was a co- like a collar. It was an animal collar. President's, <laughs> president's collar. Nice. Uh, that was really <laughs> stupid. Good, that was really one. one of the dumbest things you've ever said. <laughs> well, I said it out loud because um, that's what I thought you said when you first said it. President's <laughs> collar. I won um I won some award senior year at college and it was Big a whoop. quote scholar no it was a quote <laughs> scholarship <laughs> and it I was so excited and then the check was for five dollars. How? What? That's Be- fucked I'm up. I'm not kidding. It was like some like $75 award, but then they like split it amongst a bunch of people. I was like, pardon? <laughs> So you can get like yeah, two thirds of a breakfast at the dining hall, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I could maybe get a coffee and like a cookie, not even a muffin. <laughs> yeah, it Here's was your great. cookie. Um, <laughs> they should have goddammit. just handed okay. out cookies. That would have been better. This isn't honestly. even a muffin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but by sophomore year, young Elizabeth was restless and feeling the pressure of uh, that uniquely Silicon Valley idea that success doesn't mean excelling at a fucking Ivy League school. It actually means dropping out to found a billion dollar startup. Bad idea. Or a moderately successful podcast. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Okay, so rather than stemming from a place of wanting to help people or, like, improve medical outcomes, uh, Elizabeth started her company because she wanted to be the next Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg. Ew. And in this vein, she soon came up with the idea (laughs) that she believed would be her ticket out of mundane, upper, upper middle class life. How boring. Ugh. There's like nothing yes. to do with that much money. So as what are we supposed to do? Just travel and go to Ivy League schools and She's ski. sick of having to pay to park a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> On the Why Stanford don't I have a campus. G5 yet? I'm sick of borrowing one. <laughs> I want my own helicopter and I want it now. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh she the, Her ticket out was this idea that she came up with sophomore year of college, and it would be a machine that could run over 200 medical tests using only a single drop of blood taken from a simple finger prick. So this is her idea. I want a machine that can run over 200 loads of laundry. 
with a single quarter. <laughs> or honestly, a drop of blood. I, I'm a diabetic. I test my blood sugar all the time. I'm willing to give a drop of blood for 200 loads of laundry. Fuck it. A drop of there detergent. You, you are now as successful as Elizabeth Holmes. Wait. <laughs> Okay, so she ran the design past a few of her professors, but most of them were not impressed, or they were at least skeptical. Phyllis Gardner, a professor of medicine at Stanford, remembers telling her, I don't think your idea is going to work. (laughs) This is a bad idea, and you should feel bad. (laughs) Go away. Phyllis Phyllis is not having it. (laughs) I love Phyllis. (laughs) Always trust a Phyllis. Um, I'm having a hard time understanding you when you use that tone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One professor, though, Channing Robertson. Channing Tatum Uh, Robertson. Stalker Channing Tatum Robertson. Stalker Channing Tatum. (laughs) (laughs) Also follow Dillystrations on Instagram. What what Uh, a terrible (laughs) mashup. I love this mashup. Stalker Channing Channing Tatum. I'm trying to picture it. It is horrific. I'm picturing it as like Stalker Channing from... Uh, Greece. Practical uh, Magic. No, from Practical Magic oh. matched with Channing Tatum from Magic Mike. Practical yes, Magic Mike. Practical Magic Mike. Oh my God. Dilly. Oh my God. Practical. Uh, it could be a twofer because it's like the same theme. I love Practical it so much. Practical Magic Mike and oh. fewer zombies, though, Channing in Tatum. Magic Mike. <laughs> Oh, I'm dying. Okay, continue. So, okay, this professor, Stalker Channing Tatum Robertson, told her that the idea (laughs) had potential and agreed to come on the board as the first board member of her new company. So she has one professor that's going to help out. Okay. (laughs) And so at 19, Elizabeth dropped out of Stanford to focus full-time on her blood testing startup. Oh, no. The company was originally named Real Time Cures, and this is so good. Supposedly, an early run of paychecks had typos on them, which made the the paycheck read Real Time Curses. (laughs) (laughs) Practical magic, Mike. You've done it again. (laughs) I love it so much. Time curses. <laughs> we will now get you your curses double quick. <laughs> oh my god! So she soon changed the name to Theranos, which is a portmanteau of um, therapy and diagnose. Sounds like a fucking planet adjacent it to does. Pluto. Or um, Amanda, you're a nerd. What's who's okay. what's the comic? What's the what's the comic book? Thanos, yeah. From Marvel. Yeah. He wants yeah. to wipe out half of the population, oh. which like with every day that I prick. live, I become a, more aligned with the th- thoughts of Thanos. <laughs> with a single prick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, great. Okay, so also around this time, Elizabeth developed a Steve Jobs obsession that led her to not only emulate him in dropping out of college, but also in fashion as well. No, turtlenecks. Not somebody to emulate. 
Exactly. There's so much about Steve Jobs you could emulate, but fashion does not need to be one of them. Like having a real viable idea, that would be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being like a visionary genius, yeah. Um, so black turtlenecks, as they had been for Jobs, became a sort of uniform for Elizabeth. Ick. And she even referred to her blood testing machine, which she had named the Edison after Thomas Edison. The Lisa. <laughs> she, she called it the iPod of healthcare. Oh, no, for fuck's sake. No, no. As Which is a, better than the Uber as a VC, of healthcare, but yeah. As a VC myself, if I saw somebody <laughs> just ripping off blatantly another super successful tech company, it that just seems so transparent and stupid. I would feel like so I have a personal um issue with books that are like the blank blank's daughter. You know, like the clockmaker's daughter. Yeah. The the lighthouse keeper's wife. It's because the there was coal miner's one, daughter. There was one successful <laughs> book with that naming convention and they're just beating it to death. There are uh, so many it's unbearable just the sheer weight of books with that i hate it so much it is probably my number one pet peeve but they do that so, with jacket cover like illustration and design as well like that book what's it called like you are a badass that's just big letters on one color yeah uh, oh, the, the same art thing. of not giving a fuck yeah, uh, the, I see that in every airport. Those books with that design, it's the same thing. Or like any yep. design. I just have a personal issue with the blank blank's daughter. Like it's yeah. so and I hate it so much. <laughs> it's a it's specific very specific thing. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like this is that, but for venture capitalists. <laughs> yeah. Great. The the blank of blank. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this is also probably when she began consistently using a new affect, a distinctively yes, deep Buffalo voice. This is what uh, I'm here for. It's China. <laughs> if this were her real voice, I wouldn't feel good about making fun of it, but it's super not her real voice, and she's doing it for a super specific stupid reason. Yeah, yeah she oh, turned yeah. out to be a lying bitch who's like stole money, so fuck you. Right. Elizabeth's high school classmates claim that she did not speak like this when they knew her two years prior. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Theranos employees would later say that her voice became higher when she'd been drinking or when she got upset or when she got off the phone with her mom, like me. Oh. <laughs> I made up that last part, but oh, I, you can assume. It's probably true. <laughs> yeah. And there was no record of like larynx surgery in that time. No. Or like a None. heavy smoking habit. Maybe she got no. shot in the throat by a dart. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Edison I explained my voice. became AI and attacked her. <laughs> well, it <laughs> is AI and it became self-aware. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh, Read a no. movie. God. <laughs> Read a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes was able to raise money for Theranos from prominent investors by pitching the Edison device as a game-changing invention that would, buzzword, disrupt <gasps> the field of medicine. Is this our Ick. drinking game? 
tech, God damn tech it. buzzwords. It's, it should be. I'm going to need to get more wine. I'm here for it. All right. Disrupt drink. God damn it. I'm going to get heartburn. Um, <laughs> making the unpleasant but necessary procedure of drawing numerous vials of blood to run tests completely obsolete. Stop. Oh, God. <laughs> you planned this. I'm going to be wasted. <laughs> Thank God this wine's only 10.5%. <laughs> By 2010, she had raised a staggering $92 million in venture capitalist funds. No. 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 Yep. Holy shit. No. Yep. Which she took uh, on the totes not sketchy at all condition that she not have to reveal Anything about how the company's proprietary technology actually worked. Stop. <laughs> and people were like, okay, here's all the money. Yeah. And we trust you. And a self-directed IRA. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's $92 million. We don't need to know that your tech actually works. And you're not allowed to ask me about my voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's wild to me that, like, well, at least from what I remember of the documentary, they, like, didn't even have to prove, like, apart from just explaining how that proprietary technology works, they never had to prove. It was literally just an idea. Right. Yeah, she could barely explain it, too, which we will get to. So Elizabeth had also been dating Sonny Balwani, a man that she met when she was still in high school during that Stanford summer Mandarin program. Mm, and he high was school a, sweethearts never work out. Oh well, he was not a high school sweetheart, technically. Whatever. Because he was a <laughs> casual 20 years <laughs> older than her. Oh, okay, Ick. Never mind. That's my Sorry about it. Favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she was a high school sweetheart, and he was a predator. <laughs> I, um, I'm here for it. Oh god! Yeah, and and I don't give a shit about age differences later on. But if one person is still in high school, get the fuck out. Hundred percent. Okay, that's some so fucking again, R. Kelly shit. It's just whatever. So, okay, again, in a totally reasonable and not at all erratic choice, she made her boyfriend president and COO of Theranos. Mm, should have chosen one of her pets. Not fishy <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's your first mistake, Elizabeth, not so smart. <laughs> if you don't fully well, staff your board with animals, you've already What are you up. even doing? You already you've lost. already lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so soon the company was valued at $9 billion. How? <laughs> uh, who makes up these valuations? That's, a, oh that's an God. honest question. Who the I fuck? I don't understand. Oh, right. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, and Holmes was the world's youngest female self-made billionaire because, again, this was pre-Kylie Jenner and her lip kits, which changed yes. the face of the world. <laughs> Speaking of a single prick. <laughs> lip prick, lip kits. Lip prick. Kylie Jenner's lip prick, lip kits. Oh, my God. <laughs> what if you could be super fashionable all through New York Fashion Week and also be tested for 200 diseases at the same time? Instant right? curse. Well, <laughs> Kylie Jenner's lip kits would be equally as effective as these 
uh, finger pricks as <laughs> so not end device more in so. testing for diseases. Yeah, more, more so because so they exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good so, God. Uh, yeah, so pff, the media is completely enamored of Elizabeth. She appeared on the cover of magazines like Fortune and Forbes. She was profiled in The New Yorker, and she was invited to speak on a panel with Bill Clinton, which I'm sure he loved. Ugh. Gross. Um, but the true high point for Theranos came in 2013 when the company began securing outside partnerships. Most significantly with Walgreens, which agreed to use Elizabeth's technology to open testing centers in their stores nationwide. Oh, shit. shit. That's a big investment. Yeah, that was a big fucking leap, Walgreens. Also, a lot of people rely on stores like Walgreens for, like, important medical stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> you no, need more shots. <laughs> There's like blood pressure monitoring and like minute clinics and stuff there. Oh, for at sure. Walgreens, yeah. For and sure. They're everywhere. Yeah. They're in every. They're everywhere and they're easy to access. And like, I totally understand why Walgreens, assuming that this was a viable idea, which if it were worth $9 billion, I would assume the same thing would be right. like, yeah, we want to get in on the ground floor and have this exclusive to our stores. Cause if it were real, yeah. it'd be, be amazing. Fucking huge for them. Right. 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 Every single Walgreens, though, like right off the bat, it was just like, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they Elizabeth was doing some shady stuff behind the scenes to prevent partners from realizing that the tech didn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. Internally, things are not going so well. Elizabeth's lack of experience had become obvious to many of her employees, and Sonny, her boyfriend, was viewed as a bully who tracked employees' whereabouts and berated them for not working long or hard enough. Okay. How dare you not work hard enough at this thing that no one can make? At, th- <laughs> at this thing that I got the job of COO with the only qualifications being I'm fucking the founder and I speak Mandarin. I mean, those are more qualifications than I personally have. I'm not fucking her and I don't speak Mandarin. <laughs> right. You could easily fuck her, though. Probably. <laughs> could not Learning easily Mandarin, speak Mandarin, though. Mandarin's yeah. hard. <laughs> Um, But in truth, the problem was not that people weren't working long or hard enough, but that Elizabeth's invention simply didn't work. Yeah. And rather than admitting this, she doubled down on the secrecy and denial, continuing to insist that her machine, her Edison, was perfect. Oh, God. She's obsessed. One source described how at a time when Theranos was in dire need of medical experts, like... Like fucking yesterday, you're a medical company. I would right. say that you need medical experts. How did you not have that on at the inception of this because, idea? Well, because she was hiring her boyfriend and her younger brother, Christian uh, Jr., who had oh, just no. graduated from Duke undergrad and <sighs> had zero medical knowledge. With a degree in Frisbee golf therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He minored in frolf. Um, Streaking. (laughs) Double majored in beer and pong. Um, Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, in turn, this is maybe my favorite part. In turn, Christian recruited several of his equally inexperienced frat brothers to work no. for the company as well. Literal frat brothers. Oh my yep. god! I can imagine their office was one of those like virtual golf setups. Oh, Everyone's like a wearing vineyard vines, uniforms. Oh. Yeah. My God, this, this is, is re- this is reading like a really bad sitcom plotline. Yeah, this would yeah. Good. If somebody wrote this as a script, it would be immediately thrown out as being like too improbable <laughs> and just Implausible. too fucking stupid. Just too yep. stupid. Oh. In addition to the frat bro employees, perhaps one of the strangest things about Theranos was the board of directors that Elizabeth assembled. Not a pet among them. Well, damn it. She's already in too deep. Uh, But it did include former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, (laughs) on whom we can blame the downfall of American democracy. Why? (laughs) For why? Why Henry Kissinger? Not even why. why is he just on her why? board. Yeah. Yeah. Former Secretary of State George Schultz, former Georgia Senator and Chairman of the Armed Services Committee Sam Nunn, and former Defense Secretary William J. Perry. Not a medical doctor among them or pet. Was she staffing like a new like country? They're all it like sounds- political people. Yeah. So one source later told Vanity Fair, quote, this was a board that was better suited to decide if America should invade Iraq than vet a blood testing company. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, if if this, if the tech worked and they were already, like, at a point where, like, they were already in every goddamn Walgreens and whatever, and the next step was, like, okay, how do we get defense contracts? Yeah. I could see having two of these people on the board. Sure. Even that wouldn't be the board of fucking directors. That would be like a subcommittee. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Uh, meanwhile, Elizabeth. Oh, this, this part's great. Elizabeth also hired bodyguards to drive her everywhere she went. She'd been given the security code name Eagle One. No! <laughs> she gave herself the security code she name. She <laughs> gave herself the moniker Eagle One and had bulletproof glass installed in her office. This bitch is so extra, I can't even. Dang. She's like a paranoid egomaniac. Wow. Yeah. This is exciting. Like, like not even, uh, like, Bill Gates doesn't have bulletproof glass on his windows. I'm guessing. I don't know. He hasn't called <laughs> yeah, me in a while. Yeah, I'm like, uh... Doesn't he live, doesn't he live on Mars? I don't know. Okay. But Bullets, like, I'm don't guessing. even travel through space, space, space air. Bill Gates is immortal. <laughs> so, okay. Theranos, despite Elizabeth's shadiness, nepotism, and needless turtlenecks, was actually <laughs> employing several legit scientists... And Ian Gibbons was one of them. Okay, so now we're getting into, like, the tech. Finally real science. Well, sort of. attempts at it. Gibbons was actually the chief scientist at Theranos. He's, he's a legit scientist. He was a British uh, biochemist who had experience researching systems to handle and process small quantities of fluids. Okay, so that makes sense. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's one piece of the puzzle that falls in place. Mm -hmm. For a while. So working (laughs) with the other Theranos scientists, he produced 23 patents. And Elizabeth is listed as a co-inventor on 19 of those patents. Mm. But, like, it's safe to assume that she had fucking nothing to do with it because she had just... She's not a scientist. No, she has two years of undergrad science classes under her belt. She's not even a science minor. No. Oh, my God. Ideation does not a scientist make you. (laughs) It's crazy. Delirium. God. I've I've had fever dreams that are more detailed with... Bigger concepts than this bitch. <laughs> Go I out to San Francisco I, and start pitching them. I probably could have yep. gotten farther than she did. Jesus. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm upset. She could have gotten just as far with the time machine right. idea. Her, the tent in her backyard that she calls a time machine. All right. Despite these patents, Gibbons began vocally expressing his concerns to Holmes that her technology did not produce accurate blood tests and should not, under any circumstances, be used in these Walgreens test centers. Great. Needless to say, Elizabeth did not take his feedback on board. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm shocked. She sounds like the insane guy in that one space movie where he's, like, obsessed with that one invention. It's, like, Sam Neill or whatever his name is. Don't worry about I it. Someone no will idea. know exactly what I'm Matt talking Damon about. Matt Damon grows grass no. on Mars? No, it's, uh, it's like, Stargate or some shit. It's not Stargate, but Sam Neill space movie. Star Wars. No. Star, Star Trek. Trek. <laughs> no. <laughs> Event Horizon. Oh, there we okay. go. Okay. Oh, that movie's amazing. But yeah, he like creates but the force. in his space movie, <laughs> the 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 invention does work, but it like is a me- it's a bad machine. But anyway, she's basically Sam Neill in Event Horizon. I'm sticking to it. All right. And seeing as how neither of you have easily seen that, or clearly you have not seen it. Spot this on. totally works. Yeah, She's spot on analogy. She's basically Luke Skywalker. She's basically <laughs> Richard Gere in Pretty Woman. Solo. Hans Solo. <laughs> Get out of here. I can't. Call her shit. Call her Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, this, this part is sad. So this Ian Gibbons guy, real legit scientist, is trying internally to be like, uh, slow the fuck down. You can't mm-hmm. roll this out. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not listening to him, and it's rolling out to Walgreens centers. And he's the chief scientist. Like, oh, that is no. a lot of fucking pressure to be under. Yeah, that's not good. And then in 2013, Gibbons tragically died by suicide. No. Oh, no. Yes. So we don't Fuck know if it's his, related, but. his history of, you know, mental health or what else was going on in his life. But like the pressure that he was under was fucking yeah. serious. Couldn't have helped. Yeah. Could not have helped. According to his widow, when she notified Theranos of his death, and he's the chief scientist, the only response she received was from the company's lawyer requesting that she return his company laptop along with any confidential documents still in his possession. 
What? Oh, such kind condolences. Fuck yep. you. Not a fruit basket. Not an Nothing. edible arrangement. Yep. Nobody a- came to the funeral. Oh my god. That's that really, might be the really most bad. fucked up thing so far. Mm-hmm. So far. It's pretty sick. The beginning of the end for Elizabeth came when a journalist named John Carreyou read the New Yorker profile of her, and rather than being impressed by this young woman who was single-handedly disrupting the field of medicine, he instead became deeply suspicious. So he's like the only person that can see that the emperor is not wearing clothes. Uh, He thought Holmes came off as secretive and evasive traits that didn't really make sense for someone who should be well-versed in every detail of the medical technology she had purportedly invented. For example, when the New Yorker journalist asked for clarification about how the blood tests worked, Elizabeth responded thus. Quote, a chemistry is performed no. so that <laughs> so that a chemical reaction occurs and generates a signal from the chemical interaction with the sample which is translated into a result which is then reviewed <laughs> by certified laboratory personnel. A no. chemistry is performed. No. Yeah. There's a chemical reaction and then and an inter- interaction reaction and it's, it's a chemistry is performed. It's fine. It's a chemistry. And this was a prepared response? I don't know if it was a prepared response. Oh, my God. Well, that response should have been prepared on a myriad of other occasions. So I'm just going to go I with can't. this. It's years and years into her startup. She should know how to fucking answer that question of how does it work? Holy shit. So she sounded, thought Carrie you like she had no fucking idea what she was talking about. So he began investigating. His 2015 article in the Wall Street Journal entitled, Hot Startup Theranos Has Struggled With Its Blood Test Technology. Yep. Pierced, yeah, on the nose. Pierced the bubble of media admiration that had allowed Elizabeth to avoid questioning for so long. Among other revelations, he described how Theranos was collecting blood samples from the wellness centers in Walgreens, but then often sending the blood to be tested by traditional blood testing labs rather than using its Edison machine. She's sending it to Kylie Jenner's lip prick lip kits instead. She's playing the middleman between Walgreens and a lab. The $9 billion middleman. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. I can't. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth went on CNBC's Mad Money to defend Theranos, where she dodged a simple yes or no question. Oh, yes. I've been waiting for this. About whether her technology worked. This all sounds like recent Trump fucking press conferences. Oh, yeah. This is some Trumpy shit. I hope by the time so, this airs, he's no longer in power. Fingers crossed. That would that'd be great. It'd be a quick turnaround. Um, if he tripped and just fell and just immediately died, that'd be great. <laughs> no, we need to we need to take out Pence too. Okay, both they were holding so, hands. Yeah, they're holding hands. Yeah, right. They're locked in a homoerotic embrace. They died. Um, they died mid coitus. At least they went out, you know, loving each other. 
Right. Uh, I wouldn't even wish that on Pence, and I hate him. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, we've, we've simplified down from how does it work to simply does it work? Yes or no. Right. And this, this is her response. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Quote, this is what happens when you work to change things. First, they think you're crazy. Then they fight you. And then all of a sudden you change the world. That was, I think you meant this is what happens when you work to change things. That was way more words than yes or no. Frankly, there isn't a yes or no in that entire answer. Nope. Not a one. You're right. Great. Yeah. Not even implied. No. No. That was just complete nonsense. Mm-hmm. Unrelated nonsense. Garbledegook. Okay. Yep. Back at Theranos headquarters, she and Sonny Balwani addressed the entire staff, claiming that Carrie Yu, the journalist, had made up the accusations in his article and that Theranos was on the verge of changing the world. God damn it. At which point, the entire Theranos staff then reportedly began chanting, Fuck you, Carrie Yu. Ooh, that's got a ring to it. The entire Theranos staff gets wise and jumps ship because their leader is bonkers. If you're working for a startup... And pre- bad press comes out, and then the founders address the entire staff, and then the entire staff starts chanting. You need to get on Indeed.com or whatever yep. the fuck. Monster.com. <laughs> get your resume out there because Sam it's the Neil end. Event Horizon. The yeah. whole crew dies. Staff-wide okay. chants are mm-hmm. not a good. Sign of it's the it's the horseman of the apocalypse. It's scary. I hate it. It's real bad, but also drink because very startup. Oh, yeah, true. But when John Carreyrou, I think I'm saying his name right. I don't know. It rhymes with fuck you, so I think I'm nailing it. Uh, mm-hmm. But John Carreyrou was not the only threat to Theranos' continued existence. Separately from the Wall Street Journal investigation, the FDA had also been looking into Theranos' technology. Fucking good. Fucking you about You do not want to fuck with the FDA God. either. Mm-hmm. A team of investigators arrived unannounced in August of 2015 and demanded to inspect the labs. Around the same time, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is an organization that regulates laboratories, mm-hmm. also visited Theranos' labs and found major inaccuracies in the testing being done. Oh, great. They estimated that 81% of patients who had their blood tested through Theranos were supplied with inaccurate results. Oh, no. Fuck that. That may as well That's, be 100%, honestly. That's it's, so high. It's worse than chance. Yeah. I'm surprised that that number was that low. Should it not be 100%? I mean, they're sending stuff off to labs, but like... Uh, and, uh, I don't know. It, uh, that's fucked up. I don't up. think Yikes. they were sending stuff off to labs 100% of the time because I sure. think they were... Doing they some were in-house tr- testing and trying to make this thing yeah. real. Right. They were experimenting with people who were actual customers and not giving their consent to be guinea pigs. Right. Cool, 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 cool. Mm-hmm. And whose health outcomes completely depended on the accuracy of their, their results. blood test results. Oh, my God. Yeah. Good Lord. 
So making things even worse for Elizabeth, John Kerry, you did not let up. He published over a dozen articles about Theranos. So who's the real deep throat? Yes. (laughs) More like scary you, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, He would eventually go on to write a book about the scandal called Bad Blood. Largely as a result of this avalanche of negative press, Walgreens ended its relationship with Theranos. The FDA also banned the company from using its flagship Edison device to test blood. And the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services banned Elizabeth from owning or running a medical laboratory for two years. She shouldn't have been allowed to own or run a medical laboratory in the first place. Right. What qualified her to own or run a medical laboratory in the first place? It's a That's great question. That's literally it. Capitalism. Yeah, literally, I, yeah, I, yeah, money. I, yeah, I don't think... Sh- Nothing yeah. else makes sense. That's the only answer that could possibly fit. So Forbes then backtracked on its cover story from the year before and removed Elizabeth from its list of America's richest, richest self-made women. Kylie Jenner found her day in the sun. Lip prick, <laughs> lips, lip kits. Kylie Jenner is obsessed. Obscenely wealthy, though. She probably yeah. still had this bitch beat out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wild. I don't... Yeah. I don't get it. Um, I don't get... Lip kit. Well, I don't get it. We're not her demographic. We are ancient. She can't even fathom how old we are. I'm 30... Freshly <laughs> 32. <laughs> I know. I know. And to Kylie Jenner, we are crones. I still get my period for now. She doesn't care. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So <laughs> Forbes published a retraction that read, Today, Forbes is lowering our estimate of her net worth to nothing. Oh. <laughs> That's that is. Words. Yeah. Such a good burn. I love it so I much. I love it. By October of 2016, Theranos had shut down all of its Walgreens wellness centers. In March of 2018, Elizabeth and Sunny Balwani were charged with massive fraud by the SEC. <laughs> Uh, That June, Elizabeth announced that she was stepping down as CEO of the crumbling remains of her company. Yeah, good. Bye. In September, Theranos emailed shareholders to announce that the company was shutting down. I'm shocked it took that long. Sure. Well, her ego is fucking enormous, obviously. Yeah. She probably wasn't just like, oops, I'm found out. Gotta go. Bye. Yeah, I just imagine her as Ryan Howard from The Office during the Wolf days with a wig on. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) just everything is pinging. Yes, I sent you a wolf. (laughs) Okay, it faxes. Um, Elizabeth and Balwani are set to go on trial in August of 2020 on charges that they lied to doctors and patients about the accuracy of the Edison tests and deceived investors about the state of the company's finances. They are each facing the possibility of up to 20 years in prison and $2 million in fines. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough in fines for sure. Yeah. I mean, they fucked out. They fucked out. They they (laughs) fucked over. They fucked over. So, I mean, like testing for diseases and all that stuff. That is 
typically inaccessible to a lot of the population. And for you to be able to conceptually just go to Walgreens, have your single prick, and know about hundreds of diseases that you could be, you know, exposed to or carry— That's mm-hmm. that, or exposing to other people. It. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could have changed. This technology could have changed the world if it existed. Yeah, if it existed. So it's so fucked up that she took it this far. Well, and it is pretty fucking exploitative of underserved communities who were trying to use this service because, yeah, you know, it, it it's not going to be like the rich white person with full medical coverage that's doing a walk-in at a Walgreens to get their blood tested. Like, they're likely going to do that at a doctor's office. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. it's she, like a double whammy. It could whammy. have changed the world, but it 100%. definitely changed a bunch of people's lives for the and, worse. Yeah. And she never copped, like, owned up to the fact mm-hmm. that the technology didn't exist the way that she had intended and now all of these people got inaccurate blood test results. Like, that's super fucked up. That's really not not okay. Yeah. It is really fucked up. And now there's, like, more tabloid stuff on her. We didn't have time to get into all of it. But, like, she she and Sunny, I think, broke up. And now she has, like, a new boyfriend. And, like, who would date her? I don't I, know. Ugh. But anyway. We Someone can't who wants that, to be the bitch. COO of her next company. <laughs> Pretty much. True. <laughs> well, but nicely done. Point. Thank you. Good job. Nice job. This episode brought to you by Kylie Jenner's Lip Prick <laughs> Lip Kiss. <laughs> Thanos 2. <laughs> Kylie Jenner's okay. Thanos Lip Kit. Oh, my God. Uh, All right. But how about a word from our real sponsor? Yeah. Y'all, if you listen to this show, you know how much we hate leaving our houses. It's just, it's terrible. The outside world... Is a, is scary. an awful place. It's cold. It's so cold. Seriously, <laughs> and that's actually what I was just gonna say. Like living in Minneapolis, we are slipping into winter rapidly, and I don't want to get bundled up, scrape off my car, warm <laughs> up my car to drive like ten blocks to a grocery store just to hate everything and buy things I don't need because I get roped into candy and Doritos. Ugh, chapstick. Yes, and this is why I am in love with Instacart and their service. And let me tell you all about the benefits of Instacart. You save time. You can spend your time doing anything else, like take another bubble bath, why don't you? Because you don't have to go to the grocery store. Your groceries are delivered to you in as fast as one hour, or my preference is at a time that works with your schedule. So I can literally be like, hey, I'm recording at this time. I can't accept a grocery delivery. Come at this time. And they're like, hey, let's do this. You can order from the stores that you usually shop from, which include local and national grocery stores, which is awesome. And there are a ton of other perks. No sitting in traffic, no looking for parking, no scraping off your car in the snow, no dealing with crowds, no unhealthy impulse buys. That's my biggest thing. It's like, I can't go to the grocery store without buying M&Ms. It's the worst. No waiting in the checkout line. It's easy to use. You just order on the app or you can go to instacart.com to do your order. It's amazing. And here is how it works. You get the app or you go to instacart.com and order the groceries that you need from your favorite local stores. Then your personal shopper gathers your groceries with care, picking excellent produce just like you do and chatting with you if necessary. Did you want bananas? Did you mean plantains? Do you want cherry tomatoes? Do you want regular tomatoes? Mm -hmm. These melons don't feel good. Do you want different melons? The, The lines of communication are wide open 
They do a way better job than I do at squeezing melons. Let me tell you. Uh, yeah. And like Amanda said, your groceries will arrive in as fast as one hour or at a time that works for you. Let me just tell you a little story about my last week. I have had... Oh my God, yes. Phone calls, lunches with friends, Mm -hmm. uh... Uh, just being on like a serious time crunch for, uh, you know, shipping things out. I'm mm-hmm. getting house renovations done in the mm-hmm. next couple of weeks. So I have to like empty out four rooms of my house. Oh, honey. Highly stressful. My house is a mess. I just, I just can't, I don't have time for grocery shopping. So I used Instacart twice in the last week. Duh. And sometimes you just don't want to cook. You get that rotisserie chicken in your cart. Oh it my arrives. word, I've done that. It arrives hot, mm-hmm. ready for you to just pick all the best meat off before your husband gets home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true story. Very true. So try Instacart and get $10 off and free delivery on your first order. To get this limited time offer, download the mobile app or go to instacart.com and enter our promo code GALS, that's G-A-L-S, at checkout. That's $10 off and free delivery on your first order today in the mobile app or at instacart.com. And don't forget to enter that code GALS. Treat your groceries. Treat them. We all have the same bathroom frustrations. Bottles Mm -hmm. upon bottles piling up in your bathroom, each one falsely promising a miracle solution that only ever kind of works. Mm -hmm. Just bottle. So many, so many products everywhere. A graveyard of products. Spilling out of the cabinets. It's enraging. Mm -hmm. But what if there was just one shampoo and conditioner that could truly do it all? OMG, there is. Because Function (laughs) of Beauty addresses all of your hair needs, not just one. I love Function of Beauty so much. And with Function of Beauty, you can choose up to five hair goals to add to your formulation. That means you no longer have to sacrifice your hair goals just because your shampoo said so. Honestly, since Function of Beauty came into my life, it has improved. Just my whole life has improved. I'm somebody who obviously has a lot of stress on their hair. I bleach it. I color it. I curl (laughs) it. I straighten it. I tug on it. I cry into it. Because of all the tears that your hair cries. Yeah. (laughs) And my hair is also very fine. It's very thin. Like, I'm looking for so many different things. I'm looking for volume. I'm looking for color protection. I'm looking for strengthening. I'm looking for conditioning. And I was able to create my function of Munders, which is one of my nicknames, shampoo. (laughs) And I got to customize it down to what color I want it to be. Not that it... It doesn't deposit color into your hair, but you can just have fun with how it looks. So obviously I wanted my shampoo to be blue. I got Mm -hmm. to customize what scent I want it to be. I got a little like very delicate peach and it is delicious. I love how this shampoo smells. It's amazing. And this is the world's first and most custom shampoo. There's over 54 trillion, you heard that right, trillion with a capital T, combinations possible. Yeah, Function of Beauty individually formulates every single bottle based on your hair type, your hair goals, and aesthetic preferences. Like I said, down to the color of it, down to the scent. It's amazing. And they only use safe and natural ingredients. Function of Beauty never uses sulfates, parabens, uh, phthalates. I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's activating my lisp. It's insane. And mineral oils or any other harmful ingredients in any of its products. And the sad reality is that major drugstores also, like, 
have brands that test on animals still, which I can't believe. It's freaking 2019. How is this possible? Oh my God. Get with it. Function of Beauty is also 100% vegan and cruelty-free. It's amazing. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. So our listeners will receive 20% off their first order. So to redeem this, head to functionofbeauty.com forward slash gals and take that hair quiz. You know we love a good quiz. Mm -hmm. Function of Beauty ships to the U.S. and many locations worldwide. So go to functionofbeauty.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S, to get 20% off your custom formula. Treat your hair. Oh my gosh, trade it. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Uber. Oh, oh, no. There's so much, y'all. There is a lot to unpack here. And of the 40-plus notable scandals surrounding this company, I was only able to dive into, like, 39. So I will do my best. <laughs> um, so we will be here until Tuesday. Enjoy. So Uber was founded in March of 2009 in the homeland of all tech startups, San Francisco, California, mm. under the name Uber Cab. It wasn't until May of 2010 that they actually went live in San Fran at the massive San Francisco app show. And uh, part of their big showy rollout was offering attendees limo rides from the app, which was kind of a baller move, in my opinion. Confusing, though, because then you're like, I'll call an Uber limo. And they're yeah. like, no, that's not what we offer. Okay. <laughs> I know. That could be misleading. Things seem to launch pretty smoothly, but by October of 2010, so only five months after their official launch, they got their first cease and desist. Uh, this was pretty mild. It came from the San Fran Metro Transit Authority and the Public Utilities Commission in California, and the cease and desist uh, stated, quote, Uber cab operates much like a cab company, but does not have a taxi license. Its cars don't have insurance, the insurance equivalent to taxis insurance. Uber cab may threaten taxi dispatchers way of earning a living. Limos in U.S. cities usually have to pre-book an hour in advance minimum by law, while only licensed taxis can pick someone up right away. But Uber cab picks people up right away again without a taxi license. Uh, yeah. I think most of the cease and desist, I think, was coming in hot to keep Uber from, like, A, trying to operate like a cab company, and B, undermine the earning potential of existing cab companies, but, like, evolution yeah. happens. Yeah, like, shit, change, shit moves on, and also, like, there's a lot of sketchiness with that taxi licensing yeah. and medallions, Michael Cohen. Mm -hmm. So, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean... That part doesn't bother me. This really is nothing compared to the scandal that we're going to get into. It just happens to be their first, like, run-in with issues. Yes. Right. Um, it would appear that this was essentially solved by rebranding and the change of the name Uber Cab to simply Uber Share Madonna. Uh, <laughs> Uber carries on and makes its way to NYC the following year. Um, and in May of 2011... It, it goes to NYC in May of 2011, and then it hits Chicago in September, and then it makes its way all the way to Paris in December. So 2011 was like a huge year of growth for Uber. What like um, a weird series, like New York, Chicago, Paris. Yeah. I so mean, odd. Probably when depends you have, on the, the walkability of cities. I'm surprised right. LA wasn't in there, but... Yeah, exactly. It also yeah, might I mean, depend on existing taxi licensing laws in those states because that's, I don't think that's like federal. Yeah, there are laws that have to be worked around and we'll kind of get to that later. 
in terms of like what cities allow companies like this to operate. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that had a lot to do with it, but I didn't I didn't look into it because I, I don't care about that. Um, but that is until January 2012 when Uber users start to get rightfully pissed off as they notice that Uber fares are up to six times higher than traditional cab fares on New Year's Eve. Yep. So they started doing the surge pricing thing. And I literally wrote in my notes, cue Lucy talking about the sneaky surges in Nashville two summers ago at CrimeCon. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> We were at CrimeCon two years, was it? Two, yeah, it was two years, like a year and a half ago. We happened to be there over Cinco de Mayo weekend, mm-hmm. and we yep. didn't think about the fact that it was Cinco de Mayo, nor that it was Nashville, nor that we planned a downtown meetup on, on a that Saturday. Saturday night. Yeah, on their, and like, there was a hockey game. party street. And there it was, was a, a hockey perfect game. Storm. It was just like Bachelorette Central USA. Mm-hmm. With yep. all of this other shit going on. And at the end of the night, I was like, okay, time to go back to our hotel. Don't worry. I'll call one of these rideshare companies. I don't remember. It was definitely I, Uber. Was it Uber? I rem- yeah, it was Uber. I remember. I feel like it was Lyft, but whatever. One, one of those two called the thing. I'm sure it sent me a notification that said it was surge pricing, whatever. We had to get home. We had like five people, so like... You know, whatever. I get home. I look at my app, and it had charged me. Well, what it was it? It was like, like three hundred something dollars. It was or like something three hundred and seventy dollars for a yeah. three mile trip. It wasn't. It was like a twelve mile trip total. But still, that's completely absurd. That, still, that's oh yeah, more we had a limo for we three had to hours. Drop off our friend Josh. Hi, Josh. Yeah. But yeah, so, but thank God. And the reason why I think it was Lyft and not Uber is because I emailed their customer service right away. And I was like, is there anything I can do? I was totally unaware. This caught me totally off guard. Had I seen this price before I hit like, yes, accept, I would have not have done that. But that's what makes me think it's Uber because I use Lyft and they give you estimated ride costs, whether they're surging or not. Well, they might have done that, but they might have done that, but I was like, you know, we were drunk at the end of the night, whatever. I just said yes, it was mayhem. And they were they were very kind and they said this one time we will we will not give you the, the surge charge. So it was only like forty some bucks. Mm-hmm. But it, I can't pull that again. Irregardless. <laughs> Irregardless. They were very Uber, nice about it. Uber didn't do anything wrong with the surge pricing and like they did give people a heads up but i i'm 99.9 percent sure that like estimated ride cost thing is a fairly new feature in all of these ride apps Mm -hmm. because i i definitely remember being an early uber user and then being like oh we're surging right now it'll be two times the amount of a normal ride but they don't give you like the figure Mm. So that's just like kind of a stupid workaround. But again, this is all just really dumb, like nitpicky shit that isn't Uber actually doing anything illegal, illegal. or like essentially yeah. wrong. It's just annoying. Um, I, but, I got caught in a blizzard once in Hoboken at yeah. night on like a Saturday night and everyone was was stuck and stranded. And I think I think the the subway stopped running because of the blizzard. Yeah, well, and it's funny you should mention that because it's a subway. 
Yeah, but weather yeah. will shut that public transportation fucking down. And then in fucking 2012, in November of 2012, they charged epic surge prices during Hurricane Sandy for the same fucking reason. Yeah, like, oh, that's all fucked. of the public transit was down and like people were being encouraged to evacuate the city and they were fucking charging surge prices. It was to profit mayhem. Off of it. There was yeah. a curfew in Zach's neighborhood and some yeah. teenagers use TNT to blow up an ATM machine. I remember that. What the fuck? Yeah, it yeah, got Hurricane it got Sandy was wild. Yeah. It was bonkers. Damn. Uh, but let's get to the actually sketchy stuff. So in March of 2012, Uber, I assume in an attempt to be tongue-in-cheek, published a blog post, which according to New York Mag, used, quote, rider data to analyze people taking what they called rides of glory Uber's on-demand economy version of the Walk of Shame. Oh, no. Ick. Yeah. The company, in a now-deleted blog post, tracked people who requested rides from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. on Fridays and Saturdays, and then requested a second ride hours later from the same place they were dropped off earlier in the evening. No. Yep. Thanks to New York Mag, the deleted post has been recovered, and I will read part of this sex-negative, slut-shaming bullshit post right now. God damn it. Yep. Quote, recently, I, I meaning the writer of this blog post, have come to understand that some of you may have, and I'm not pointing any fingers here or anything, on occasion found love that you might immediately regret upon waking up the morning after. Let's Why talk about that. Why do they have to that. regret it? Yeah, exactly. In times of yore, you would have woken up in a panic, scrambling in the dark, trying to find your fur coat or velvet smoking jacket or whatever it is you cool kids wear. No. Then that long walk home in the pre-morning dawn, but that was then. No. One of the neat things we can do with our data is discover rider patterns. Ugh. Are there weekend riders that only use Uber post-party? What about the workday commuters who use us every morning? It was while playing around with this idea of blind rider segmentation that we came up with the ride of glory or raj a roger is anyone who took a ride between 10 p.m and 4 a.m on a friday or saturday night and then took a second ride from within a tenth of a mile of the previous night's drop-off point four to six hours later that's not too your goddamn business yeah, yeah they're crunching numbers i know how creepy is that they're crunching numbers on people who like may or may not be taking a ride home from what may or may not have been a romantic encounter yeah, there's way too much that you can, like, glean yeah. and deduce from some of this data. Like, yeah. weren't they, like, oh, you, maybe you're going to get to it, but something about, like, knowing if people are having affairs? Yeah. I, I'm not going to get to that, but they have, there have totally been, like, scandals with these, like, ride apps about shit like that. Yeah. Because you can track people's data and, like, their location and stuff. Speaking of tracking your whereabouts, this summer when we were flying everywhere, at some point I'm at some point my iPhone would would give me like an estimated time of arrival to the Des Moines airport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, That's super funny, it. and that has it's since like, no. been replaced by the bar that we always go to. Yeah, your phone, <laughs> iPhone operating systems will track your normal commute patterns, so that like when your alarm goes off in the morning, it can be like, oh, today it's going to take you X amount of time to get to the office. Yeah, but since I work from home, so I don't have a normal commute pattern, it's just picked up the bar. <laughs> yeah, I got it. That's insane. Um, but this blog post goes on to break down Rogers by city, Boston being the highest. 
and even went as far as to break down what neighborhoods in certain cities are calling for these rides of glory the most often. Ick. Super Ew. gross. Hate it. So things go quietish again until September of 2013 when a passenger reports that an Uber driver choked her. Mm. Again from New York Mag, uh, quote, Bridget Todd, a writer and activist, tweets at Uber claiming her driver, David E., choked her for kissing her white husband. I believe she's a woman of color. Um, police arrive at the scene, but no arrests are made. Uber later issues a statement standing behind the driver claiming that Todd and her husband were intoxicated, something Todd admitted in her tweets before making her account private. And like, duh, they're in a fucking Not illegal. Uber. Yeah. And that the situation only escalated after Todd refused to take her feet off the seats. Get over it. So choke me for sure. Leaked internal <laughs> emails would later show that CEO at the time, Travis Kalanick, uh, wanting his staff to, quote, make sure these writers don't come away thinking we are responsible even when things do go bad. You literally are. We just want to make all the money, but we don't want to have any of the liability. Right. And went on to blame journalists for making Uber, quote, somehow liable for these incidents that aren't even real in the first place. So, like, not believing women. Fuck that. Oh, my God. A few months later, the same CEO, Travis Kalanick, would jokingly call Uber Boober, which tells you right there the kind of culture being cultivated within that company. Oh, my God. Piece of shit culture? P yeah. Sorry, POS. POS culture. A POSer is a CEO named Travis. Seriously. Who frequently <laughs> it's actually really funny because childish jokes. At an old bar that I used to work at, the computer system that you used to ring in orders was called the POS, the point of sale. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. was so shitty and so old. I swear to God, it was from like 1995. It had like a push out cash drawer and like buttons and a black and green screen. Like it was cuckoo bananas. All it was of those are screen. called POS. Mm -hmm. Well, not really, depending on what company you get them from. I worked in a lot of restaurants. Trust point me on that sale. one. But yeah, it's that was like the company's name for it. So, yeah, that was pretty fun. But anyway, piece of shit. So Gawker put it perfectly in their article that included the leaked emails from the CEO. And Gawker said that, quote, that kind of dismissive response from a CEO is troubling considering the number of allegations Uber has faced in Washington, D.C. alone. In February of that same year, an Uber driver was accused of going on a homophobic rant and then spitting on and slapping a rider. Um, another driver in March of 2013 was accused of sexual assault, but charges were dropped. And after these tweets by Bridget Todd, another passenger reported that a driver double checked their identity several times before allowing the black male passengers to enter their car. Mm -hmm. So racism, yeah. misogyny, homophobia. violence, homophobia, mm -hmm. The whole gamut. Yeah. I've had numerous Uber drivers go into detail telling me about their divorce. Yeah. Oh, oh that every, yeah. every driver, like they take one look at me and they're like, oh, I can open up to you. I know all about like their kids <laughs> yeah. pending Free surgery. Therapy. It's like, yeah. no, I hate it. I love it Please when I get a notification that my driver is hard of hearing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like the greatest gift. That is nice. Oh, yeah. That is awesome. So I'm not sure how all of these issues resolved, but I do know that in the case of Bridget Todd, the driver accused was removed from Uber, um, which seems, it seems entirely unlikely that he would have been if she hadn't been, like, smart and brave enough to go public with her situation. 
because all that CEO really wanted to do is brush shit under the rug. And you would think that this would light a fire under Uber's Uber's ass to do more thorough vetting of their drivers, but like, alas, not so much. Or at least have more thorough consequences for these types of altercations because like, I'm all about giving people a second chance at life. And like, I know it's really hard for people, especially who have had like drug related offenses or whatever to find work. So Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to begrudge those opportunities. However, if there are like violent crimes or quite frankly, like traffic related, like dangerous traffic related incidents, maybe Mm -hmm. those should be more serious, like taken more seriously. If you're, if you're providing rides for people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. No question. But then mm -hmm. it also doesn't even fully solve the issue because so many people cannot be convicted of things they've done, especially sexual violence. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. It's tough because it's definitely those like, well, we can't do anything until something happens. But then something happens and Uber doesn't really do much and doesn't believe the the riders that are coming forward. Or poo-poo Exactly. Yeah. So in December of 2013, a driver in San Francisco was accused of assaulting a passenger, a young man named James Alva. James reported that the driver called him, and I'm not even going to say the whole thing that he called him, but a, quote, dirty Mexican F word that is a derogatory term for a homosexual. We all know Mm -hmm. what that word is. Yeah. When James tried to take a photo of the driver and his license plate, the driver physically assaulted him. Police were called to the scene, but the driver was not arrested. Uber's response? Well, since there was no arrest, they didn't pursue further action other than a brief suspension. God damn it. Yeah. What the fuck? Upon further investigation of the driver, it was discovered that he had a criminal record, including at least one felony conviction for drug-related activity, which goes against Uber's own, quote, zero tolerance policy for drugs and alcohol offenses because they're driving. So they really didn't even, like this guy had a felony conviction and they didn't even catch it. Jesus. And that was like, that's their own rule. That's their own rule that they established and they didn't follow it. So now I am about, like, like I said, I'm all about giving ex-offenders opportunities to work and thrive, and I'm not begrudging that, but the problem is Uber's response, especially to, like, to all of these victims of these issues. And this guy, James, caught some of the attack on his cell phone, and Uber basically did jack shit about it and wanted to just, like, push it down and wave it away so that it wouldn't fuck with their image. Right. And if your company, if your company and your employee pool is so big that you cannot hold those people accountable, then you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then you, then that's not sustainable. The model isn't sustainable. You can't do that. Yeah. Exactly. Also from the flip side of things in South Africa, Uber is having a lot of issues because, um, I mean, the same issues that they have everywhere about like rider safety, Mm -hmm. but also lots of issues of for driver safety Mm -hmm. because um, like South African public taxis, well, they're private taxis, but they're like, they're like minibuses. Those drivers attack Uber drivers and like multiple Uber drivers have been murdered by these other taxi drivers. It's like turf war. Oh my god! Exactly. Seriously, that's yeah. scary. It's like a taxi yeah. cartel. God. That's fucked oh, it's up. really scary. There have been like m- like mob violence and riots and like places that the Uber drivers won't go to because the taxis. When are, are you it's moving? Like, yeah, <laughs> and then also um, the latest thing is like you have to check the trunk 
of every Uber because... For bodies? <laughs> well, for people with weapons... Ugh. No. ...who can jump out of the trunk of the car and then, like, hijack people or, you know, rob them or whatever. So, okay. And it's not even necessarily the driver being in on it. It's like the drivers have been hijacked and then have to go then take these people into... Nope. You're done. I'm it's concerned over. You're coming back about... Now. Yeah. <laughs> Everything? Same. <laughs> yeah. It's Thank you for legit. sharing this horror show, and now I'll never sleep again until you fucking get out of there. Okay. <laughs> but actually. Uh, this, the driver who attacked James was eventually removed from Uber, but only after media attention grew around the incident. So, like, they only give a fuck about their image. They don't actually give a fuck about the safety of their riders. Mm-hmm. In July of 2014, two California DAs filed suit against Uber, claiming that they were operating illegally and that they, quote, misled customers by claiming their background checks of drivers screen out anyone who has committed driving violations, including DUIs, as well as sexual assault and other criminal offenses. The district, the district attorneys say that's patently untrue. Great. This suit was most certainly sparked by the growing number of complaints against Uber, but most notably that assault in San Francisco in, in December that we just talked about. And in February of 2016, Uber paid a $28.5 million settlement in regards to the misleading safety practices. And Business Insider reported that, quote, as part of the settlement, Uber must refrain from using certain superlatives like, quote, industry leading or best in class when describing its background checks. Well, they shouldn't be using those terms anyway because no. it makes no fucking sense when it comes to background checks. It really sure. does not. Right. Yeah. Sounds like That's you're talking about airbags, but yeah, sure, fine. exactly. That sounds like a fucking Ford truck commercial. Yeah. It's just, I can't believe they were even using verbiage like that. And even then, right. there's small print at the bottom of the oh, ad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And with all kinds of shady shit stacking against him, Uber tried to boost their stats by going after their direct competition. So in August of 2014, it was discovered that they use independent contractors and burner phones to call and cancel thousands of rides with Lyft. What? According to yeah, oh I yeah, and this went on for a that. while. Yeah, <gasps> according to TheVerge.com, quote, using contractors, it calls brand ambassadors, Uber requests rides from Lyft and other competitors, recruits their drivers, and takes multiple precautions to avoid detection. The effort, which Uber appears to be rolling out nationally, has already resulted in thousands of canceled Lyft rides and made it more difficult for its rival to gain a foothold in new markets. That is Uber, so sketchy. Oh it's my God. so sketchy. Uber calls the program SLOG, S-L-O-G. What is a, with their dumb acronyms? I fucking hate it. And it's a previously unreported aspect of the company's ruthless efforts to undermine its competitors. So some of these independent contractors started blowing the whistle on this whole operation. And not only were they expected to call and cancel rides, but like that quote said, they were sent on like recruitment missions to yeah. accept rides from Lyft drivers. And then while they're in the car try to recruit them from Lyft and bring them over to Uber. I mean, it's really sketchy, but I also admire the hustle. For right. sure. And uh, <laughs> there's an instructional document on how to recruit Lyft drivers to come over to Uber. And that was released. And I'll just go over like a tiny bit of it. If I can even see it, I have to zoom in because I'm like such an old lady. Oh my God. I'm so old. See, you um, need night driving glasses too. Uh, Freaking apparently. So uh, the slog recruiting process for the street team 
You request a lift using your temporary phone or account. Remember that it is important to space out your request so you don't get flagged for requesting from the same location on the same account. Wait a period of time before you request so you do not have to cancel on the same driver if you get them again. And then they give mm-hmm. you like hints for like larger markets how long to wait before between each ride that you request. Upon arrival, enter the car, begin small talk with the driver, and here are the talking points. How long have you... Okay, how long have you drove with Lyft? I already hate that. <laughs> what brought you to Lyft? Do you like Lyft? What would you change about Lyft? Have you considered other rideshare platforms? If I had someone get in my car and start immediately asking me this stuff, I'd be like, "What? why are you interviewing me? Like, go away. I have, I have asked these questions about Uber to drivers because I didn't, I couldn't think of what else to make conversation about. Yeah, it's all talk. Yeah, Just um, sit on your phone and don't speak to anyone. But one time, oh, I told you guys this, in Florida, I had an Uber driver that was literally like between 85 and 95 years old. It. It, and, may as well have just had Grandma Lynn pick you up. Oh, oh, he, uh, he drove over a curb. Yes. He went the wrong way on a one way. He took an exit that was an entrance out of a parking (gasps) lot. Amazing. I thought you went off the freeway. I was like, wow. No, he did drive on the freeway. I was was literally texting you guys being like, well, I've had a good run. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I was asking him about it and, and just like making small talk. And I said something about like, uh, what if you had, um, what if you had a minivan? Like mm-hmm. to drive for Uber, and he he said, "What's a minivan?" Oh my god! And then you were like, "It's a free online radio show." <laughs> a podcast. <laughs> I'm a writer. I'm a writer. Oh, oh my, my god. god! Well, you could have recruited him to Uber. Um, then step three is after assessing driver for openness to Uber, ask them if they consider joining Uber because it has. These are quotes, a higher tip volume, a more polished clientele. What? Yep. That makes no sense. Uh, Vehicles that are 2004 or newer and tell them that they're gathering information and will reach out the next few days about the next steps. And then there's a form that they fill out if they're into it. And if they say no, you're supposed to like ask them why they're not interested and then have them drop you off. So this was like literal protocol. Again, not necessarily illegal, but like soups unsavory. Mm -hmm. Not cool. So in December of 2014, Delhi banned Uber as a service altogether after a driver raped a passenger. One activist in response to the assault, which I put a photo of this person on the drive slash the blog, is holding up a sign that reads, Rape by Uber cab driver. Government and police must answer. Who is allowing international service providers to operate without complying to basic security, verification, certification, GPS? And good fucking question. Yeah. And the rape culture continues with Uber France in Paris in October of 2015. This is maybe like the grossest thing ever. A campaign is launched recruiting, quote, hot female drivers and promising to match passengers with said hot females. <gasps> ew. What? Yep. Fucking the promotion, ew. The promotion boasts, quote, who said women don't know how to drive? Oh, God. Oh, as, 2015. As well as, quote, it's going to be the most beautiful thing on earth. And there are photos on the blog of the French campaign. So if you were lo- peeking at the drive and wondering why there were so many like 
scantily clad females in the the drive it's because of this this is actual photos from it. this campaign oh no yeah i didn't question it either yeah so the the campaign was uh called and i'm gonna butcher this so go ahead Kenyon. but avions de chasse close uh, avions de chasse which is the french term for fighter jets but also like a colloquialism to designate an incredibly hot chick, quote unquote. So there, that was what the campaign was called. And a translation of their like tagline was lucky you, the world's most beautiful avions are waiting for you on this app. Sit back, relax and let them take you on cloud nine. Ick. That sounds like you're going to get a blow job. I was going to say that. And there's like, there were uh video a promotional video for this that's like some dumpy like business dork being picked up by like a supermodel ew I yeah it was so gross king hate it hate it's it. the hooters of yeah, uber of uber uber hooters <laughs> hoobers hoobers boober <laughs> exactly boober. So the next month, oh, obviously, God. after even more bad press, in a truly Trumpian move, Emil Michael, their senior vice president of business, suggested the company should go after the reporters that were writing unsavory and also fucking true stories about them. Emil made the mistake of speaking openly at a private dinner, assuming that he uh, that what he said there was off the record, which like. Come on, people. Nope. Nothing is of ever fucking officially off the record. As soon as somebody wants to spill the beans, they're going to spill the beans. Whistle if you blower. attend any company dinner, you need nope. to cousin Greg that shit. Yep. Start recording the <laughs> moment you walk through the door. Get cousin it. Greg. <laughs> Quote, over dinner, he outlined the notion of spending a million dollars to hire four top opposition researchers and four journalists, BuzzFeed reported, that that team could, he said, help Uber fight back against the press. They'd look into your personal lives, your families, and give the media a taste of its own medicine. Sound familiar? Ish. Oppo research on specific journalists. Yep. Cool. Were they About a year reaching out to Ukraine? <laughs> Fucking probably. <laughs> About a year later, Uber had to settle with a BuzzFeed reporter after they were caught using technology nicknamed, quote, Godview. Which allowed mm -hmm. Uber to track cars and see personal information of drivers and passengers in the cars through their mobile apps. Ick. I think that was where the the affairs scandal came yeah, in, where they probably. were like, where are you going on Friday nights to this apartment address? Right. And we have yeah. that information. Um, according to Business Insider, quote, the company paid a $20,000 fine, which is fucking nothing, for not disclosing a data breach in a timely manner. Which it was not a fucking data breach. It was definitely on purpose. It also removed personal information from tracking and limited which employees could use the tool. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Then in May of 2016, Uber pulled out of Austin, Texas altogether because Austin held strong to a law that required drivers to get fingerprint background checks. The same that you would have to get if you were working with vulnerable adults or like in the medical industry. They're very easy to get. I've had them twice for jobs. Yeah, I've had, I've had them as well. Yep. For visas. And, and Uber flat out refused to comply with the law. So Austin was like, okay, then you, you don't get to operate in Austin. Good job. Mm -hmm. And Kalanick, that smarmy as fuck CEO, joined Trump's Economic Advisory Council in December of 2016. Oh, shocker. 
Yep, this sparked the quote or the hashtag delete Uber movement and thousands of accounts were deleted, including mine. But I will say I'm ashamed to say it took me that long because I had not done my research and I didn't know about all of these assault allegations before like the big public Trump appointment. And I know that I can do better and I will try. Well, but it shouldn't be up to just individual consumers to spend their entire lives researching every single company. We should be able to rely on our regulators to do that for us. Right. And yeah, yeah, they, they made every effort to fucking push down all of these allegations that they were getting. Yeah. And And this, and this like rapist assaulting mm -hmm. women, misogynist stuff. That's not political. Like you could, you could argue that this dude joining Trump's team would just be a political thing. Like it's political. So you don't need to announce it, but like everything prior to that, not political, just right. fucked up. Just yeah. fucked up. And that was super rooted in the culture of the entire company. So there's a ton more that we could go over, but I'm going to end with this badass woman, Susan Fowler, who in February of 2017 wrote a blog post about her time as an engineer with Uber. And I highly recommend Googling her if you have the time to read the entire post. It's really moving and like, anyone who's ever worked in an office or like any kind of male dominated field can Mm -hmm. absolutely, I like, I was reading it and I was like, Oh, this has basically happened to me. And it's like really hard, but it made me feel a lot less alone. And like, Mm -hmm. it was a good reminder that this is a huge culture that we exist inside of. And that's super fucked up. And there are like people speaking out against it, which is great. So I really appreciate Susan Fowler for coming forward with her story. And I'm going to read a part of it now. So she says in her blog, quote, on my first official day uh, rotating on the team, my new manager sent me a string of messages over company chat. Fucking idiot. He was in an open relationship, he said, and his girlfriend was having an easy time finding new partners, but he wasn't. No, 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 no. On the company chat. I mean, don't do it at all, but on the company fucking chat. What a moron. But it gets worse. So he was, he said he was trying to stay out of trouble at work, but he couldn't help getting in trouble because he was looking for women to have sex with. It was clear that he was trying to get me to have sex with him. And it was so clearly out of line that I immediately took screenshots of these chat messages and reported him to HR. Good job. That's what you should do. Her first day. Yep. On the new team. Yep. Uber was a pretty good sized company at the time. And I had pretty standard expectations of how they would handle situations like this. I expected that I would report him to HR. They would handle the situation appropriately. And then life would go on. Unfortunately, things played out quite a bit differently. When I reported the situation, I was told by both HR and upper management that even though this was clearly sexual harassment and he was propositioning me, it was this man's first offense and that they wouldn't feel comfortable giving him anything other than a warning and a term uh, and a stern talking to. Oh, great. So she can keep living with the consequences of his behavior and having reported him Mm -hmm. and no accountability. Exactly. Uh, upper management told me that he was a high performer, i.e. had stellar performance reviews from his superiors, and they wouldn't feel comfortable punishing him for what was probably just an innocent mistake on his part. Nope. Nope. Oh, nope. <laughs> I, I was then told that I had to make a choice. I could either go and find another team and then never have to interact with this man again, 
or I could stay on the team, but I would have to understand that he would most likely give me a poor performance review when <gasps> review time came around and there was nothing they could do about that. Oh my God. Yeah. I remarked that this didn't seem like much of a choice and that I wanted to stay on the team because I had significant expertise in the exact project that the team was struggling to complete. It was genuinely. I hadn't done anything wrong, wrong and I'm not the predator. Yeah. It was genuinely in the company's best interest to have me on that team, but they told me the same thing again and again. One HR rep even explicitly told me that it wouldn't be retaliation if I received a negative review later because I had been, quote, given an option. Nope. Nope. I tried to escalate the situation, but got nowhere with either HR or with my own management chain who continued to insist that they had given him a stern talking to and didn't want to ruin his career over his first offense for uh -huh. keyword offense. Yep. Uh, like, tell me that she sued the shit out of them and now owns at least three boats. <laughs> Sadly, she does not own at least three boats and she ended up quitting. Oh, no. Yeah, she fucking left because she couldn't deal with Did it. Did she lift? <laughs> she took a lift <laughs> and left. She's now yeah. the CFO of Lyft. I'm not entirely I... sure if, if legal proceedings went d that way, yeah. but it's just like <gasps> the it culture of that. And this is shit it. that exists in so many male-dominated companies. Like it is yeah. glaring the, the, and really The settlement up. or the conclusion of that could very well be like undisclosed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh my exactly. god! So as that rage washes over you, at least we can be comforted by this last little tidbit, which is. Not that comfortable. So in the last year, they've had a CEO change. So that Kalanick guy is fucking gone and launched a multi-million dollar ad campaign to clear up their image, which if you, like me, are still refusing to pay extra for ad-free Hulu, have probably Always. seen some of the commercials <laughs> for it. And these commercials are talking about like all the safety measures they have they take and like showing happy women of color safely getting to their destinations like that's some sort of new luxury for female riders. Yeah. Here's your ribbon for that. It super grosses me out. But according to the Washington Post, it isn't paying off. Quote, Uber's metrics based on a mixture of internal tracking tools and external polling firms have recently placed brand sentiment near the same lows measured in the depths of its crisis. According to multiple people familiar with Uber's market research data who spoke on the condition of anonymity because they weren't authorized to discuss it publicly. The company obsesses over those metrics, these people said, because it closely tracks Uber giving up market share to rival Lyft. <sighs> yeah. So all I got to say about that is bye, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and that is all of Uber's. Well, no, that is like maybe Some. one tiny fraction of Uber's scandalous yeah, bullshit. 39 of 40. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, I'm going my dinner tonight. God damn You it. don't have any other choice. Well, they don't yeah. have Lyft Eats right now, to yeah. be fair. But also they like. They have Postmates. You know, there there are local. Well, at least here there are local. Yeah, <laughs> companies everything you sucks. Support. <laughs> everything here. sucks. Not here. But you okay. know who doesn't suck? Who doesn't suck? Our fan picker Amanda Kelly. Oh, Amanda That's Kelly. Right. Bravo, Good job, Amanda. Bravo. You're uber great. You really lift us up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a prick. You're a self starter. Yeah. 
For real. <laughs> All right. And thank you to Victoria Gray. Mm. You make you... us happy when skies are gray. Yep. <laughs> Your water my gray gardens. Mm, I love gray gardens. Uh, thank you also, Amber Kelly. You're like a you're like a mosquito stuck in amber with the secrets Ooh. to uh, reanimating dinosaurs, dinosaurs back to life. <laughs> the park yep. is gone. A dinosaur. Okay. <laughs> you're just uh, like that. <laughs> thank you, Christina Schleicher. Schleicher, hardly know her. Yep. You keep blowing <laughs> your load at your first round. Well, it's the perfect one. We really schleich yeah. you, Christina. Mm-hmm. You schleich me. You really schleich me. <laughs> Thank you, um, Angelia R. Kaler or Collar. You are a president scholar. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say I that. knew that would pay off eventually. <laughs> uh, presidential scholar. Presidential scholar. Love it. Thank you, Robin Reeks. We don't thank you, Reek. You smell like roses. You reek of generosity. Yes. Thank you, mm. Robin. And thank you, Nikki. Nikki needs no other name because Nikki is... Nikki's fingers aren't too sticky. She's hand they or she or neither and either or both are handing over that $5 a month. I'm drowning. Let's just move on. Thank you. I hate it. Thank you, too. God, we broke Kenyon. We broke Kenyon. Do you need us to take over? Do you need some popcorn? <laughs> Thank you to Annie, who wants to shout out her friend Beth, <laughs> whose birthday is coming up. It wasn't that Gosh. funny. Get it is broken. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Okay. All right. <laughs> Annie wants to shout out her friend Beth. God damn it. The Riesling. Kenyon's had eight bottles of this Riesling. <laughs> All right, quote, Annie says, she's such an amazing woman. That has oh, my God. <laughs> I want to, okay, she's such an amazing woman. It has been an incredible lifeline for my tattooed, pierced, non-Mormon self since she moved to our heavenly Mormon town. I am so, so grateful for her friendship. <laughs> Kenyon, we're we're gonna tuck you in for bed. <laughs> Go for it. Just keep going. Okay, keep thank going. you, Carrie Johnson. Gonna dump a bucket of blood on you in celebration of you, Carrie Johnson. And test it for two hundred diseases. Yes. <laughs> yeah. More than With a eighty-one percent inaccuracy. <laughs> uh, thank you, Isabella M- Melanson. Well, sun my melons in Isabella Melanson. I can't wait to sun my melons on the sandy beach you one can, day, thanks to your donation. You can check our melons for ripeness. <laughs> mm. And thank you to Monica. You are the Monica to our brandy. Thank you so much. Oh. <laughs> thank you also, Olivia Goldsmith. Gonna go pan for some of your gold in the form of your $5 a month. Thank you so much, Olivia. Oh, thank you. And thank you, Mary. Mary, Mary, increase their donation from $1 to $5 a month. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm the Mary. I'm the Mary. Uh, Thank you, Lisa Russo. 
uh, kicking off our $10 a month, going to get a fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail. Do not oh. put it in the dishwasher. No, don't do that. Because um, that would be a rookie move, Russo. <laughs> don't let your live-in partner put it in the dishwasher either, because we've yeah. gotten more than a couple messages. A lot of relationships <laughs> have ended over the partner putting the, 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 the glass in the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for those photos also. my yeah. One of my favorite things to get as a DM is a photo of a completely warped fucking patriarchy <laughs> wine glass. Yeah. It's cool just be looking. Like, my boyfriend didn't listen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Katie Baker Johnston. We want to bake you a baker's dozen chocolate chip cookies. Dozen. Thank mm, you I so much for your 10 dozen. bucks a month. You'll mm-hmm. be getting that wine glass. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Lanny Williams. You will be thanked <laughs> for your <laughs> Amspool donation. Okay. Nailed it. Thank you, Faith Ryan. Um, uh, th- this, what are the lyrics from This Kiss? <gasps> this oh. Kiss, wanna- Kiss, Kiss. kiss. I don't want another heartbreak. I don't need another time. 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 No. I don't want another hard way. Baby, hello. Baby, hello. Oh, no. Oh, Goodbye. No. Goodbye. Goodbye. Put your job in like a rocket. <laughs> Shoot me straight, straight across the, the sky. sky. Okay. It's the way you love me. All right. Me. Can we move on? Yeah, yes. Thank you, Faith. Thank you, Faith. <laughs> thank you. Clementine Ketchum. Sorry. Thank you, Clementine Ketchum. <laughs> oh, my darling Clementine. You really catched you know us. Pick them and catch them. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Thank you. And stay it. tuned for your wine glass. And thank you, Camille Monet Whitlow. Swing Whitlow, sweet Camille Monet. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Meredith King. You are a king or queen or neither or both in our hearts forever. Thank you, Jess Jensen. Mm. Uh, That's Jensen with an E, and I'm pretty sure the E stands for excellent. (laughs) Yes, Jensen. (laughs) Yes. And thank you, Jessica Brandon. It's super on brand for you to be donating to our Patreon. Maybe. We have no idea. Thank you, Holly S., <laughs> who increased from $1 to $10 a month. <laughs> you make that us is... jolly with your increase, Holly. Yeah, that's super. Thank you, Holly S. Holly, holy. Holly, holy <laughs> shit. Okay. Perfect. Thank you, Ashley Lewis, with your 15 bucks a month kicking off our trash queen tier. Mm. You will be getting a free fucking flexible patriarchy wine glass in the mail along with a piece of shit from my house. So Love yeah, it. You can Random sing. trash. Start singing your carols, Ashley Lewis. Mm. That was a tribute to Lewis Carroll. If you didn't catch it, stay tuned I for garbage. I didn't catch it. You will also be getting garbage, Micaiah Mason Jones. Maybe you'll get a mason jar full of mm. full of toenails. You won't. Ew. I'm keeping that. Ew. Yeah. Thank you, Brandy the Boo. 
Um, you don't have to trick or treat for your trash because <clears throat> it's already coming. <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank you. Christy Cordova. You make me want to crack open a Corona. Cheers to you, Christy. Uh, Thank you, Angie Burns. It burns me so... Ah, she burns. It burns me so good (laughs) to accept your generosity. Thank you, Kaylee, not the porn star. Woohoo! I can only assume that not the porn star is your given surname. Your biblical and, name. Uh, I really appreciate it. Even Thank if you, you were so the porn star, we'd fucking yeah, love you. Either way. Thank you, Riley Kiddis. Mm. I'm not kidding you when I say we really appreciate your $25 a month, which means you Woo. can email us with your choice of episode topic and or case and or wine pick, assuming we can get it in suburban Minneapolis or the yes. Minneapolis Metro. And thank you, Emma Briannon. Brianna rings like a bell through his mouth. You increased your donation from $5 to $25 a month. So you are also going to get to pick a case and or topic and or wine. So send that over. Yeah. Send yes. it quick because we are scheduled almost 10 months in advance at this point. Yeah, so you're going to want to get on the calendar. Love it. Send us an email. All Great. right. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you next week. We love you. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Most importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Diabolical. Vengeance. Betrayal. Bad hair. Leaning. Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And we have a weekly podcast called A Date with Dateline, a recap of Dateline episodes. We talk about important issues like grainy surveillance footage, cell phone towers, Andrea Canning's white jeans, and Mankey's hankies. We delve into the details of any victim who's ever loved life or lit up a room. So find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and iTunes to make A Date with Dateline. And remember, don't watch alone. A Date with Dateline is a podcast hosted by two professional amateur true crime TV experts with no formal training but evidence lockers filled with snark and uninformed opinions. (laughs) 